Welcome back to the Ice Coffee Hour. My name is Brandon Turner from Bigger Pockets here on the show. And uh, we're going to talk about how the show's made, what, $1.73 from AdSense in the last year and a half. A dollar seventy-three. right? How'd you come up with that number? Uh, I mean, I figured it's not like a $2 show, but it's not like a dollar show. So it's somewhere in the middle. $1.73. Yeah. Okay. Well, you're off okay. by a lot. Uh, how much <laughs> yeah. How much did it make so far? 133000 that's what we made so, so far. You're oh, wow. Quite off. All right. About $133,000 off. Well, I'm a couple decimal points. That's not too yeah. bad. That's not too it's bad. Ma- it's a rounding error. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, rounding error. thank you so much for coming on. We're really excited to have you here because uh, you are like the real estate house hacking guru. <laughs> like you are, you are the mecca when it comes to uh, real estate, owning rental property, house hacking, cash flow, like everything. When people think of it, they think of you generally. Mm. You have 3,000 units so far that you rent out. Yeah, Which like is that, yeah. insane. Yeah, it's and you been moved, crazy. And you moved to Hawaii, and you're basically just living it up there. I'm doing a little <laughs> bit of living it up. I'm doing some, uh, I got two kids, so was, you're yeah, living sure. it up as much as you can live it up. So I surf, uh, I can pretend to surf, and uh, you know, do the jogging on the beach kind of thing, trying to live that cliche Hawaii life. That's good. Not too bad. And Just we also... Quick, yeah. before, before, and real quick. Are we recording? Yes. Because I never told you to... <laughs> oh, my gosh. And, okay. I have done entire interviews yeah. where we forgot Just to hit the record button. Just always nervous wreck. <laughs> I interviewed like a celebrity once. I can't remember who I keep that in there. <laughs> yeah, it was terrible. Like, it was terrible. Anyway. What, who was it? I can't remember. It was somebody that was like a, like a YouTube kind of guy. Like a Kevin and you didn't record? And we, it was like 30 oh. minutes in. We're like, oh, I'm so sorry. But that's Were tough. they cool with yeah. it? Yeah, they were like cool with it. I can't okay. remember who it was. Did you just redo it and made it? Yeah, we just, we just yeah. threw it over. Oh, it was Jim Quick. Uh, Jim Quick, you know him? He's no. a famous author. He's like written millions, sold billions of books. But yeah, Jim Quick, uh, brain guy. He's all about brain stuff. Anyway, yeah, it was like... 30 minutes in, we realized we didn't hit the record. Like my worst nightmare. Yeah, you know there. what? I think it is. Wow. I think everyone would understand because they worry about them themselves. Uh, yeah. I know. Like, yeah, I worry did. so much so that if it yeah. happened to me, I'd be like, all right, well, you know, yeah. how would I want to be treated? Uh-huh. Just do it again. Yeah, it's that thought yeah. of like, also, you're like, what do I, like, when I realized it, all of a sudden I was like, oh, like, no, that's the worst yeah. feeling. And he's just like talking. I was like, yeah. what do I do? Do I, do I tell him? Do I just <laughs> wing it and be like, try to, I do don't know. Do you stop yeah. in mid thought? That's the hardest thing. Yeah, yeah. So it was. Horrible. Oh, speaking but. of which, I know we're going off on a tangent here. I had that happen once. With who? I flew all the way to Detroit. Oh, Remember? Yeah. Flew all yeah. the Alex. way. To, so, so I did on my second channel, the Graham Stephan show. Did a reaction to this guy Alex Pardo. The video got a million views in like a week. And so I flew to Detroit to confront him in person. <laughs> so the entire trip, and I went with me, Kevin, on this trip. So the entire trip was centered around just going for him with this one interview, this one afternoon. Recorded the whole video. Got back to the hotel room. We're done. It went perfect. And uh, the audio didn't record. The entire time, it was just nothing. And so at 7 p.m., I called him back, and I'm like, hey, I'm so sorry. Can we do it again? Oh. And he was cool with it. He's like, yeah, sure. So we filmed it again the second time, and it was just fine. Yeah. But yeah. It sucks when that happens. Now I'm like, I'm always like, backup, 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 like five different things. I'm like, this has got to work, and still I've screwed it up. Okay. Well, anyway, anyway, we also have some drama to cover that right. uh, you're no longer going to be with bigger pockets. So yeah, we'll yeah, save drama. that. We'll right. save that towards the end. All right. But That's let's start change. off from the very beginning. How did you get started before owning 3,000 properties? How much does that make, <laughs> by the way? Do you know every every month? Oh, that's how a much really is good that? question. I mean, if our average... Figure average rent around five hundred dollars because there are a lot of mobile home parks in sure. there, right? So if you figure whatever five hundred, I'm not a math guy. Five hundred times three thousand, whatever that is, that's probably what it brings in. 
I don't know. One and a half million a month, <laughs> right? Is that right? I don't know. Sure. I think that sounds yeah. that's yeah. right. Yeah, I'd yeah. be off by zero or two rounding errors. That's, right. <laughs> <laughs> that's not. Yeah, yeah, how, how did you get started? Yeah, man, in real estate. This. Yeah. So uh, you know, I was bowling. It all starts with bowling, right? So I was bowling, and I'm there with this. Uh, friend who's a real estate agent. And I said, Oh, I'm actually looking for a place to rent. I'm 20, 20 years old at the time. I said, I'm looking for a place to rent. And she goes, why are you going to rent? Just buy something. I'm like, well, because I'm 20, I have no credit. I have a job making $8 an hour. Uh, and like, I don't, I, I can't buy a house. I have no yeah. money. She's like, trust me. It's 2007. Right. So she's like, trust yeah. me, we can get you a loan. <clears throat> Call up the bank, tell them the same thing. I'm like, I got no nothing. I mean, nothing. They're like, great. You're approved. Uh, Cause that's what 2007 yeah. was. So anyway, I, I knew enough <clears throat> to buy you know, not go buy the nicest property in the world because I was making $9 or whatever it was an hour. Yeah. Uh, I bought the dumpiest <laughs> property I could find. Uh, it was just like a, a single family house and I bought it for 80 grand and I rented all the bedrooms and uh, it worked. And, and that was at the peak of the market. Too. Was. 2007 was yeah. like right before, like the bubble yeah. was about to pop and yep. you're like, nope, I'm going to get in there yeah. right beforehand. But first we want to thank our sponsor, BetterHelp. Is there something that's interfering with your happiness or stopping you from being the best overall version of yourself? Well, BetterHelp is here to help you become that person. BetterHelp is not a crisis line, nor is it self-help. It's professional online therapy done securely. Balancing your finances and your overall mental wellness can be difficult and you shouldn't have to pick one or the other. Well, BetterHelp is here to tell you that you don't have to make that choice. With BetterHelp, you can start communicating with professionals within 48 hours, and it's available worldwide. And you can access your account anytime to message your therapist whenever you need. With traditional in-person therapy, you have to sit awkwardly and uncomfortably in a waiting room. But with BetterHelp, you get the safety and comfort of your own home without sacrificing any of the professionalism. Finding the right therapist can be an absolute nightmare, but fortunately, BetterHelp is committed to find you the right match for all of your therapy needs. Therapy does not have to break the bank and you shouldn't have to choose financial security over getting help. And since BetterHelp is more affordable than your traditional offline therapy, it's the perfect solution. Start living a happier, better life today by visiting betterhelp.com slash iced coffee hour. That's better H-E-L-P and join the over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health with experienced professionals. Special offer for all iced coffee hour listeners. You can get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash iced coffee hour. Thank you so much, BetterHelp, for sponsoring this episode and back, back to, to the, the podcast. podcast. So it, it was, yeah. and you know what's funny though, full circle is this, this picture, right? So I bought the house, lived in it only for a year. Uh, not even that, it was like nine months and I sold it. Uh, and I actually bought it for 80, sold it for like 130. And that was like the peak of the market. Wow. And it started crashing, right? That's a great no return. Way. And then the market crashes. The thing was probably not even worth 90 to the people who bought it. And it's like, oh, boohoo on them, right? Things worth 250 today and they yeah. still own it. So like, sure. that's one thing I love about real estate is you hold on long enough, you're probably going to be fine as long as you can hold on. So you, you bought it and then you held it for what was it? Like nine nine months? months, yeah. But what compelled you to sell it after only holding it for yeah, nine yeah. months? Yeah, actually, I, I was like, I'm going to go. I was like, I want to backpack Europe. That's what it was. I was like, you I want to go so lucky. Well, I didn't. I didn't. didn't. Uh, it's not that cool. Okay, it's, it's, it's not that cool, but it's cool. I was like, I'm going to go backpack Europe. I just had that thought one day, just like, I want to go backpack Europe. So I started asking the question, how do I backpack Europe for a year? How do I do that? And I thought, well, if I sold my house, I could probably do that. I could probably get some money out of the house. Mm -hmm. So I sold the house. Uh, instead, I got married. So it's cool, right? I, I met my wife and we, we got married and it's great. And uh, I went to Europe like two years later. <laughs> but that's how it started. I sold the house and took the money and had a wedding. What were you doing when you were making nine bucks an hour? Uh, I was working overnight at a group home. So for like developmentally disabled adults. Sure. So I could sit there and watch like music videos of like punk rock bands all night. That was like my entire job was sit on the couch, watch music videos on MTV. 
and make sure that was a heyday of MTV. Yeah, that was yeah. so good. I was like Fall Out Boy's like era, and I was just like listening to Fall Out Boy videos all day long. It was uh, great, all night long. Did you go to college? Uh, I did. I got a history degree. Okay. But it was like one of those, like I went to like five different schools and kind of like at the end, I was like, I got all these credits. Can I get a degree? And they mailed me something and mm. I don't use it at all. Okay. So, so what was your yeah. like plan at that point? You said you graduated college yeah. and then, and then from there you went to work at the, the home Yeah. and then you, did you have any like long-term goals in mind or were you just kind of taking life as it comes? You know, I, I was in college. I chose a history degree simply because it was the fastest way out of college. I was like, I talked to the guidance counselor or whatever when I went, when I went to the final school and I was like, well, I got all these random credits from random things. What can I do with it? And they're like, well, if you know history, you can get out a quarter earlier. I'm like, yes, I will do that. So I did a history degree and then there's three jobs you can do with a history degree. There's like, you can be a teacher, you can be a lawyer or you can be homeless. So like I chose the his, uh, I chose the history first, the degree. And then I like, I'm going to go and uh, be a lawyer. Uh, and then I read John Grisham's book. You read the firm. John Grisham, you ever seen the movie? Yes. Okay, the movie? Yeah. It's all about like this lawyer who's like the mobs after him and all that, which, I mean, it's an entertaining story, right? Mm -hmm. But what I got from that book was like the idea that like these lawyers work for like 40 years, working 90 hours a week, and like they go through like four wives, and then at the end of their life, they just like hate themselves, and like they're just like that's like the life of a lawyer uh, for a lot of like, law people. Mm. And I was like, wait, what am I doing? Like that sounds like I'm like yeah, it makes good money, but what's the point of making two hundred thousand dollars a year if you're working ninety hours a week to get it, right? So like that that book, the firm, made me change my mind and uh, decided instead, well, this house thing is kind of cool. What if I bought another house and fixed it up and then sold it? So I thought I'm gonna go flip houses instead of watching the flipping shows and. Started flipping houses. You know what show I loved was so, Flipping Vegas. Yeah, Flipping Vegas. Yeah. I remember that what one. What was it? Uh, Scott Yancey, yep. I think was his name. Yeah. That's not on anymore, yeah. is it? Nope. Yeah. Those flipping shows don't last too long. But No, they don't. Yeah. There's been a lot of them that just come and go, and they're all the same, but they're all, they, they're good for inspiration, and just like, they're like, oh, I could do that. That's cool. Yep. Then I found out I couldn't do it. I was terrible at it. And like trying to flip houses in 08, just terrible. So yeah, so what was your first flip attempt? Yeah, bought a house for 45000 and it was just a nasty old house built in like 1902 and put maybe fifty grand into it, so I had like yeah. ninety five into it and then tried to sell for one thirty, and then the market's just crashing. I mean, I could have yeah. made twenty five, thirty grand after fees, but the market was just crappy and couldn't sell it. So I ended up refinancing it. So for those who don't know, it's like, you know, go to the bank, get a brand new loan. Yeah. Uh, and so I got a brand new loan on it that was like a 30-year mortgage, so I didn't have to worry about paying it off anytime soon. And then it like just rented it out to some dude. He was like a contractor. And all of a sudden I was making more money on rent mm. than what my mortgage and all expenses was. Uh, so I was making cash flow. And like, it was actually super, I mean, relatively super easy. Mm. Uh, and I was like, this rental thing is kind of cool. So that's how it kind of started the idea into rentals. What was your job though at the time? Cause you had to have an income. I, I didn't have the job actually. So this is, no. I mean, I had the job. Yeah. I quit the job to flip that house, right? So I had no job while I was flipping the house. And then I, couldn't refinance, can't refinance without a job, right? So actually to refinance it, I went and asked my dad, I was like, I was like, I'm like 22 at the time, I'm like, hey, can I just add you on to the mortgage and just so your name's attached to it and then we go to the bank and now it's your name on it. And he's like, oh, I don't care. And I was like, I'll give you, you know, someday, I think I said like, someday I'll give you half the profit when I sell the property, whenever we do. Mm -hmm. He's like, ah, okay, that's fine. And so yeah, we added him on to the property and then I went and refinanced it. And that idea of like the adding the partners on, I mean, I've done that now on almost every deal I've ever done, I've done with partners. Cause like the big thing with real estate is everyone's like, well, I don't have enough money. I can't afford mm -hmm. to do it. I can't, I, I, you know, there's tons of people out there who have money 
and they just don't have the time. Or the, the, I mean, they're not sitting here watching a YouTube video or listening to a podcast on Maybe finances. Maybe they are. Maybe they are. They probably are. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, there's, there's people with money, and yeah. then there's people who have hustle. Yeah. And... If you can put that together, I mean, it's it's sometimes it's people who have both, right? But it's rare. Most people either they have a job, they're working at the county, they're working at the state, whatever. They're making good money. They're a lawyer working two hundred thousand, you know, uh, hours a year. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so now I do partnerships for almost everything. And what year was this the the flip attempt? Yeah, that would have been '08. I think the first flip was '08, and uh, I decided that flipping, yeah, flipping wasn't really for me. I tried a few more times, never really made any money, lost a little bit of money sometimes. Mm-hmm. But the rental thing just kept working, like it just. Every rental you buy, I once heard this analogy. Every rental is like a little oil well, right? A little oil well, like in Texas, right? You drive through, there's a little oil well pumping oil out of the ground. Every rental you buy is an oil well. So you have one and you're making 100 bucks a month. It's like, well, that's not very much. But then you buy a duplex and, and now you're making, you know, two or 300 a month. Then you buy another little duplex and then you're making 500 a month. And just each one is just pumping oil out of the ground every day, every month, every year. And it adds up. So by the time I was 27, I had like 3,500 bucks a month in cash flow. And I was like, I'm the richest person I know. Mm-hmm. So I quit my, I, I got another job at the time just to pay some bills, quit that job and sat on the couch and retired when I was 27. Did you? Yeah. I mean, I literally sat yeah. on the couch and watched TV for like three or four months. Did you like that? No, it was terrible. It was Why? It was what awful. was bad about that? Yeah. I mean, daytime TV is terrible. You're right. There's <laughs> right. <laughs> just like, I, I think like, I don't know if it's like, I, I don't know. I, I'm, so much of my life is wrapped up in like my identity of like being a hard worker. So then all of a sudden you just sit around and do nothing. That just wasn't fulfilling whatsoever. I think I have this theory that like anybody who's able to retire early in life can't retire early in life. Uh, it's like if you're able, to, if you're smart enough and you are good enough and you work hard enough to retire at a young age, you'll just never take it. Mm-hmm. And, and like they have stats that show when people, even older people, when they retire, mm-hmm. you can you can predict somebody's age of death by when they retire. You you, know, you retire at whatever sixty five, you'll die at like seventy five. Mm-hmm. But you retire at seventy five, you'll die at eighty five. There's just something that like humans are built to work and built to keep the mind going. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Ooh. All right. Well, that's it. That's <laughs> Sorry, it. Bailey. She's going in the cage. So I want to know the exact events that happened in the timeline to get to like being 27, making $3,500 a month, because yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of in the beginning of that journey sure. where I got my first property and I want to start leveling up and getting more pop- properties yeah. and making more like, you know, income doing this. But it seems like it seems very difficult yeah. to like get to where you were at 27. Yeah. What, how did you do that exactly? Yeah. All right. Let's talk about house hacking. So, yeah. all right. So I'll, I'll backtrack a little bit back in when I did that very first flip, right? I sold the first house uh, where I made a little bit of money and got married, right? Then I needed a place to live because I'm broke. So I flipped at the same time I bought that house to flip the first one that was a failure. And then I bought a duplex. I didn't know anything about duplexes. I didn't know anything really, even at the time, about rentals. I just bought, it was a duplex for sale for $80,000. It was two houses on one lot. So they weren't even connected. There's a little yard in between. Uh, One of them was a one-bedroom, one-bath, 400-square-foot house. That's what I lived in. They call them like casitas uh, in some areas. They call them ohanas out in Hawaii. They call them Mm -hmm. mother-in-law apartments, whatever. So I'm in this little one-bedroom, one-bath house literally like six inches from the alleyway where like just people are like going through on bicycles and doing drugs and stuff. And then the front house was a two bedroom, one bath. And again, a little tiny house. But I remember the day, I mean, it vividly in my imagination, not imagination, vividly in my head, I remember the tenant in the front unit the first day bringing me rent. And he brings me cash of like 650 bucks. And it totally looks like a drug deal because we're like in the driveway between these two houses and next to an alleyway. And he gives me the $650. And I'm like holding this. And I remember just like thinking, Wait a second. My mortgage is six twenty. 
and this is $650. I'm living for free. Yeah. I'm getting paid to live for free. I'm making 30 bucks a month. Again, I'm like super rich, right? I'm at the time, you know, again, I'm like 21 at this point, 22, somewhere in there. And, uh, and like, that was just like this light bulb moment. And I remember thinking also, if, if I had a lot of them, like, then that would be cash flow. This is kind of how I started discovering cash flow. I started, then somebody recommended it. Oh, if you're into this, go read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. So I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I'm like, yes. Like, it's like that book put words to like this like groaning in my soul, right? Like, it was like, I know there's something out there that's not, that's not the work 90 hours a week for 40 years just to retire the, you know, and be the richest dead guy, right? Like there's more to life than that. And Rich Dad, Poor Dad was like, this is, Here's some words to put to that, why you feel that way. So Rich Dad Poor Dad started there. Then I went to the library and I read 100 books over a summer, like probably over 100, but I remember I stopped counting around 100. 100 books on real estate, just everything I could find on it. And it really just came down to at the time, if every house, this was literally my thought at the time, if every property I buy, I could make $100 in profit and I need roughly three grand to pay my bills, I just need to collect units. I just need to collect them. So I don't care how I get them. So it started with house hacking. So I bought the duplex, lived in one unit. Then I went and moved into another duplex and lived in one of the units, rented the other one out. And the great thing about house hacking is the government subsidizes a loan called FHA. You've probably talked about on the show before, but like FHA loans are three and a half percent down. So if you're gonna buy a $100,000 property, you're paying 3,500 bucks. And that can be gifted from like a family member. So you could literally like, you know, get into a property for really nothing. If you're a military person, you get in for zero down, same thing. Uh, so if, and again, some people are like, well, $100,000, you can't do that. Okay, fine, $300,000, you're in for 12 grand. Like it's not a, a ridiculous amount of money to be able to do that. And if you're buying the, in the FHA loan works for duplex, or well, single family, duplex, triplex, fourplex. So one of the best strategies in the world I tell new investors all the time is go buy the fourplex if you can, if you can find it or triplex. But if you can live in one of the units, you have to say you're gonna live there for a year. You have to intend to live there for a year. Mm. You live in one unit, you can rent the other ones out. What that does is if you can live for free or even just cheaper, right? If you can live for cheaper or buy a house with bedrooms, right? Rent the bedrooms out, especially if you're young. Dang, like if you can get rid of that burden of a, your housing payment, which is the biggest expense anyone has, all of a sudden you have like, flexibility and all of a sudden you can set aside money to invest or to build a business or you can take a big risk and be like well i'm not paying anything to live anyway i'm living cheap so i'm gonna go and you know go take a job at this startup which is probably gonna fail but if it does do well i'll make millions and so you can take those risks in life which you can't do when you're just strapped with debt and mortgages and everything yeah people will spend what's crazy people will spend so much time and effort worried about how to like save four bucks on a latte, right? And there's something about frugality. I'm a big fan, right? I know you talk a lot about that, right? Mm. But how often are people thinking, how do I save a thousand or two thousand dollars a month on where I live? Oh, if I just have like a duplex, I can drop my mortgage. I can save a thousand or fifteen hundred dollars a month just by having a tenant. And yeah, is that easy? Not always, but it's not that hard either. Like it's just like a stuff you learn. So anyway, house yeah. hacking is how really I built up the first like four or five properties was just move in, rent it out, move, rent it out, move, rent it out. And uh, from there you get into multifamily and then it gets fun. Yeah. I loved my duplex. I yeah. have to say, I loved it. That was so much fun. Mm -hmm. And uh, I got so into basically tracking just what the mortgage would be and I'd add in the tax write-offs yeah. and then I'd count the equity back and be like, yep. well, technically yeah. <laughs> now with this and I, then I'm paying down this mortgage but yeah. like $800, I think it was like $800 or $900 a month of that was uh, equity. And I'm like, every day, that's $30. Yep. 30 bucks a day, that's over a dollar an hour. <laughs> so I'll be like, I'll wake up and I'll be like, well, I just 
got another eight bucks there. Yep. Yeah, so I that's loved awesome. it. I it's, loved it. It's such it, yeah. a great way to get. And it's like it's like real estate investing with training wheels, right? Because like it's not like super risky. You're not putting that much money into it. You got a long term mortgage that really like it's it's fixed. It's not going anywhere. It's staying the yeah. same. Right. And if something goes wrong, I mean, you're there. Like so I remember like, yeah, like maybe three times a year I get a phone call about some problem and I'd have to go fix some leak. I could have called the you know, contractor, but I just like to tinker and try to fix things myself. So I'd get like the book from Home Depot. It's called like one, two, three home improvement. It's like, here's how you fix a plumbing leak. And I'd yeah. figure it out just cause it was fun. But yeah, that stuff, man, like it's just character building, but also skill building. And that I still, you know, man, it's, it's still what I love today. Like I still, I mean, I house hack right now. I live in Hawaii. I have like a two ish million dollar house and like I have an extra unit in the back. I rent out. Yeah. Uh, and then I have the basement I could rent out if I wanted to. I just keep it for friends and family, but I get at any point rent it out and then live for free in a $2 million house overlooking the ocean in Hawaii. Like yeah. this works at any level. Like I can vouch for that. I saw yeah. his place. It is it nice. nice. I mean, oh man, you drive up the driveway and the house is up <laughs> at the top. And then yeah. it, he's got the pool and then this entire like your office. The sea shed. Yeah, mm. the shed. Yeah. And then a property in the back and a huge backyard where they grow up. Um, oh, it's gone. Like vegetables. The what? backyard's gone. Why? Yeah, we got hit by a flash flood last week. I haven't seen it yet. But Are you serious? Yeah, flash flood came through. It's crazy. Like it took the whole backyard out. No. Like, yeah, garden, the tables, everything. I mean, it's gone. Um, you know, it's funny. You were just crazy. telling me it never rains. Uh-huh. I know. It <laughs> rained 17 inches, I think it was, in like a night. No. Like, it rains three Three inches a year, and I'm in the desert, like basically, like a classified desert. And uh, they got this freak storm. It took my whole yeah. My wife was at home with the kids. Yeah, she's calling me. I'm at like this honky tonk bar in like yeah. Nashville with a bunch of friends having a great time. That's why I lost my voice, yeah. right? And she called me. She's like, "The house is gonna collapse," and like she's like freaked out. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was messed up. So anyway, I get to go wow. back home here in a few days, and apparently, I have no backyard. So, but we, insurance would actually cover. not uh, because no, no flood insurance. Uh, no flood insurance. I mean, why would I get flood insurance? I'm on a hill, and I like I'm on a hill in the desert. Like, there's no reason for me I would ever thought to get flood insurance. Now that said, I mean. What's what's 10, 15, 20 grand to fix it up? It's not no, the end of the world. Like more than that. I don't think so. Cause I mean like for excavation of all the mud and stuff like that. Yeah, you know? but I got see I got some contractors that like live out there yeah. that like, work for me. So like they just like for the first I mean, they've been out there for a week every day now. So I mean I'll probably oh be in for 15, 20 grand. And gosh. it's like Okay. Well I'll that's not, it's not the end of the world, right? Yeah, it's not terrible. And this yeah. you know, things like that scare people. When I talk about this, people are like, Oh, that's why I don't want to get into real estate, right? Like I'm like, it's just it's like What's that quote? If you have a problem that can be solved by money and you have money, you don't have a problem. And so it's easy to get overwhelmed by that stuff yeah. and be like, oh man, it's a, and you're like, no, you just write a check. Yeah. Like it's not a big deal. Speaking and, of that, yeah. I'll take a screenshot of this. This yeah. is a repair. So I've gone a little while without a repair and this came up. I'll show you a picture of this. So this was uh, part, well, not partly my fault. I was an idiot. <laughs> is that so. the main line? Uh, yeah. Hey, mainline so, brothers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> nice. So, that's, uh, so, that's you're, great. so you're looking at, uh, I think it was $7,800. Yeah. So let me tell you, this, this was my mistake. I had an issue a year ago and, uh, they basically said for two grand, we can make this work. It'll fix it. It's, it's not going to be a permanent solution, but this could last you a year. It could last you 10 years. It's just, it's, it's a pipe from the 1950s. Yeah. So they're like, you know, we're, we're going to do a quick, and it, I think they quoted me at the time, like 10,000 to fix it the right way. So I figured, nah, I'm just going to pay the two grand and problem solved. Yeah. Exactly a year later when he was telling me it could last a year, but a year later, 
Yeah. And then uh, they ended up refixing what I fixed a year ago because they're like, it's easier for us to do the entire thing all at once than keep their work. Yep. Explain what happened. So You didn't say. Oh, happened. yeah. So what happened was basically uh, the pipe was really old. It was, uh, I think it was a clay or ceramic or something from the, yeah. from the 1950s. Uh, over time, roots got into it. So they've been hydrojetting it. But uh, I didn't hydrojet for a little while, and it cracked the pipe. Mm. And then over time, the pipe kind of shifted, yeah. and uh, water basically started backing up. So that sounds fun. Yeah. And, but like, it's one of those things, right? You, if you have a problem and you have money, they can solve it. Then you don't really have a problem. Uh, it uh, sucks, especially uh, yeah. when you have a rental that like you rely on it to bring in money. But yeah. here's the thing: this is probably like the if if I get like one tip for anybody who wants to get into real estate, it's this: like know that that stuff does happen, yeah. and it happens all the time. It's not like a shock. It's not like oh my gosh, I can't believe mm-hmm. that. You know, of course, everything <sighs> breaks down. The, so if you account for it, like then you're fine. I mean, for example, like what I mean by that is like, let's say you buy a property and you're like, this thing is going to rent out for a thousand dollars a month. My mortgage is going to be eight hundred dollars a month. Wow, I'm making $200 a month in profit. No, you're not. Like I would set aside at least 100 if not $200 every single month for that. Because yeah. it only happens once every couple of years, but it does happen. And then you know like two, three years from now, you're going to have another, you're going to have a roof leak and that's going to be three grand to fix it. Your water heater is going to go out in five years. Yeah. You have to put a new one of those in. It happens all the time. We call that CapEx. Uh, it's, it's, it is a real number. It just, it doesn't happen monthly. And so people forget about it. And so they buy property thinking it's going to make them money. And then in the reality, it just loses the money. Now, thankfully, we say real estate is a forgiving asset class. Uh, my buddy David, who's on the podcast, the Bigger Pockets podcast with me, he calls, he says, cash flow is a defensive metric. It's not designed, cash flow is not designed to make you rich. It's designed to help you hold on long enough, like riding a Bronco, you know, or a bull, you know, if you're in a, sure. in a road, you just got to hold on. Like it's like duct taping your legs to the bull, right? Like you're not going to fall off if you have cash flow because you can handle things like that. But what you really want is to hang on long enough that 10 years later, that property has gone up in value. Because, yeah, real estate goes up and down, but it goes up and down in an upward trend. And so, like I said, that house that I sold at 130 dropped to under 100. Now it's worth two something. Like it just, it's the, the way real estate tends to work, especially when the government's printing as much money as they are. So if you can hang on long enough, real estate is phenomenal. Uh, and then the cash flow is good in the meantime, too. I don't think we ever mentioned where exactly you were buying initially. Yeah. Oh, actually, yeah. That, so this actually plays into my story a little bit. This is mm-hmm. cool. So that very first duplex, right? I lived in the alleyway, right? That little crappy house and had the, had the tenant there. Uh, this is in Aberdeen, Washington. So Aberdeen, Washington, technically Hoquiam, Washington, but mm-hmm. Grays Harbor County, Washington, which uh, is famous only for one thing. So Grays Harbor is famous because that's where Nirvana came out of. Mm-hmm. So I remember Kurt Cobain, Nirvana, that whole thing came out of. Aberdeen. Uh, so anyway, so my house there, this little crappy duplex, uh, after about a year of owning it, uh, the tenants were like, hey, people keep taking pictures of our house. And I was like, what do you mean taking pictures of the house? Here? Yeah, we just keep seeing flashes through our windows. And I was like, nah, the county must be reappraising or <laughs> something, right? And then it went several years, like, the tenant would be like, yeah, more people taking pictures. Couldn't figure it out for a while. Finally, we learned what it was when some Swedish tourists knocked on the door and they wanted a tour of the Cobain house. No And we're way. like, the Cobain house? And we find out, and I look it up online, I find out it was the house he was born in. Like on his birth no certificate. Way. Like not literally on the floor, but like that's his parents, where his parents were in both houses. They lived mm. in this little shack in the back where I lived when he was born. And then at six months old, they moved into the front house and they lived in that that's one. So I'm the incredible. only person who owns two of Kurt Cobain's former houses. You, you still own but, it. Uh, I actually just sold that a few months no, ago. No, yeah, why would you sell that? I know. Because, Seriously, if you, you uh, can afford to hold on to that, I know, that's I know. a piece of history. I know. It was cool, and I, I loved it. I had it for 15 years. It was cool, 
but the bragging rights are the cool story that it's fun yeah. to tell, right? It's a cool story. It wasn't worth just the mental headache of hanging on to that property. What's the headache of holding it? was in a crappy neighborhood. Like, it was in an alleyway. I mean, it's so. Like, it just attracted, like, rough tenants. Like, I always like to say, like, bad, like, rough houses attract rough tenants. And, and so, like, I, like, nasty properties attract nasty people. It just is what it is. Do they know? Do do tenants know this is Kurt Cobain's house? We tell the tenant after they move in, but I don't, I don't want to advertise it because I don't want the the kind of person who would rent a, like, would rent a house because it's Kurt Cobain. I don't think I would rent there. I don't know. I feel like. Seriously, if if I, I mean, you'd be able to charge higher rent. Yeah, Yeah, you'd be able to charge higher rent. But, but, and you you would attract a better tenant who could, see, here's the thing. I think it was a marketing problem because you're marketing this normal house. I agree. And that would attract those sort of tenants. You mark Market, this is Kurt Cobain's house. Yeah. You're in, you're in uh, what was it, realist.com. Yeah. You get in all the magazines and, and online print. I did think of that because they were then, selling one of his other houses yeah. for like a million bucks. But, but. So, so here's the thing. It's like you're going to attract a tenant who's okay with the, the less desirable area, yeah. even though they're a higher caliber tenant yeah. because it's Kurt Cobain's house, and they, they get the bragging. It was a crappy house, though. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Dumpy house. It doesn't matter. I feel like that. It's, it's hard to replace that. Uh, Kurt Cobain's house in Hollywood yeah. is very similar to that, and it's run down. I think it's like empty and you get these YouTube people who like yeah. sneak into the house to, yeah, to really. film it. But uh, stuff like that, like you get yeah. a bit of a premium. Yeah, we thought about turning yeah. into Airbnb and we, we kicked it around for a while, yes. but I didn't want the headache of it. And then I, I thought about, you know, selling it as like, you know, like it was like baby house, right? So it's not like there's another house in town where his like his writing is all over the walls. Like that house is like people are like, that's the Cobain house. I just have the baby house. So I kept it. And then finally, I was like, uh, here's, here's actually why I sold it. I do what's called a, re- a return on equity calculation, yeah. right? So you look at how much equity you have in your property, how much you'd actually make if you sold it. And then you say, well, how much cash flow did I make last year compared to how much I would have if I sold it? And my return on equity was like 1.3%. I'm like, well, shoot, I'm making no money on this thing. I might as well just go and stick in the stock market and make more than 1%. So it was it was a financial thing, but I'm actually selling almost everything I own in that town. Like what what got me to financial freedom is those first deals, which is great. I don't regret any of that. But that's now though that's a hindrance to me becoming like the next level of whatever that is. Right? I couldn't. I don't think I could have bought the three thousand units without getting rid of the the thirty that I started with. It's just a mental drain on like. You know, like the 3,000 units actually take more, take less effort to manage than the 30 by far. I mean, because I have a team and I have people and there's like there's systems for the 3,000. But the 30, they're mine or mine with a partner. And that was just, it was a headache. So let it go. So you're liquidating all of your own personal Yeah, all like, the ones that like I, I own alone, I want to get rid of pretty much all of them. I mean, some of them just like, they still print money like an ATM machine and I like, I like them, but it's it's just about like freeing up as much as I can like mental energy to not have to think about that stuff to move it on. So yeah, getting rid of a lot of the early stuff. Crazy. Wow. Yeah. Sorry, Coco Bain. Coco Bain's gone. So how did you scale from being thirty five hundred bucks <laughs> a month into now yeah. I don't even know a million and a half yeah. in, in revenue? And also, yeah. at what point did you get into bigger pockets? When yeah. did that play? Okay, yeah. So that. Yeah. So remember I said in the internet marketing thing, right? So I sat on the couch, started getting into internet marketing, really liked the idea, like making videos, like you can go back and watch my very first video. I'm not this animated. I'm like sitting in a chair, like holding my Where can we find those videos? Yeah. It's on on early bigger pockets. Really? Yeah. It's terrible. Oh, here we go. Webinar, Mm -hmm. the advanced guide to analyzing it. Yeah. I remember that one. You look so different. Yeah. I had, I think I had glasses and no beard maybe. Yeah. Oh, wow. Look at the intro. We got it. So good. Look at that. Home for real estate investing online. That was my first <laughs> webinar I ever did. 
I've now done probably 500 webinars, but that oh was the very first gosh. one. So what was this webinar for? I just, I think I was just like, I'm going to do a webinar. So Josh Dorkin, by the way, started Bigger Pockets. This is, yeah. it started as basement. It was a little hobby kind of blog for him. And uh, I started like, he grew it. It was like bigger when so he was a blog around a blog real, around estate. real estate investing, investing. Yeah, a blog okay. and a forum, right? So people would ask questions in this Q and a forum. And I actually found bigger pockets. I remember what I searched. I searched YouTube for what to do when tenants don't pay rent because I had a family member who was like, don't do real estate, man. Don't do real estate. It's terrible. Like, you know, uncle, whatever lost yeah. his shirt, right? Everyone's got a story of an uncle who sure. lost his shirt in real it's estate. It's always the uncle. It's always the <laughs> uncle. And there's a lot of uncle shirts missing yeah. somewhere. And so, uh, I, and they're like, well, your tenant's not going to pay rent. And you know, you're going to end up like having to cover it yourself and you won't be able to, you're gonna lose all your money and be homeless and live under a bridge yourself. It was like, this like real estate's horrible kind of speech. Right? So I went to Google and I was like, what to do when tenants don't pay rent. And I find this site called bigger pockets. I remember printing out the article, not that the, like the answer was fine. I'm sure it was a good answer. I don't remember what the answer said, but what it told me was there was answers to all those like naysayers, right? Mm. Just like when people are like, yo, you shouldn't invest in crypto or you shouldn't invest in the stock market, it's risky, or you shouldn't be an entrepreneur, shouldn't start a business. Everyone's got like this reason why you shouldn't. But when you get around people who are actually doing it, it's like, it's, it's so freeing. You're like, oh, like I can actually do it because other people are doing it, right? Like nobody knows, like if you don't know real estate, like why would you listen to those people about whether you can do it or not? So I found Bigger Pockets. I started uh, helping out just in the, well, asking questions in the forums. Like people can go back to my early posts and be like, I'm like, how do I buy a duplex? You know, I'm asking all these questions. Mm -hmm. And that led to uh, me meeting Josh Dorkin. So again, at the time it was just kind of a hobby forum. Then he kind of made it a business, but it, it was still pretty small at the time. And I started editing blog posts for him. He's just like, hey, I'm looking for some help. Can you edit? I'm like, I can edit. It was a lie. I couldn't edit. I didn't know how to. I don't know. Really, I didn't know the difference between like there, there, and there. Right? I just like pretend. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm really good at English. Why did you want to join so bad? Did he have a lot of credentials? Uh, no, but at the time I had another blog. It was called Real Estate in Your Twenties. This is my entry into uh, investing. Uh, uh, I mean, uh, my entry into internet marketing. Sure. Mm -hmm. So I had Real Estate in Your Twenties Still there right now. I just haven't updated it in a decade. But the idea was like, I'm a big believer that when it comes to internet marketing or any marketing really, but I want to be the intersection of two points, right? So it was real estate for young people in your 20s. And it actually worked pretty well. Like it started growing and started doing better. But the way back in the day, maybe it still works this way, but uh, the way that it really worked was you'd go and guest post on somebody else's blog who was bigger. I guess on YouTube, you go and, you know, JV with somebody on a YouTube channel, right? So I was guest blogging for Josh as a way to grow mine. And then when he was looking for help, like, I mean, I'm making three grand a month. Like it wasn't that much money at the time. And mm -hmm. I'm like, well, he's going to pay me to do this. And I think it was, I think he paid me like a hundred bucks a post to like edit it and then post it on the blog. So I was making some money at that point. I was just like a 1099 contractor. And, uh, we just found that we liked each other. We like started talking every day and like the few hours of editing blog posts turned into like nine hours of working straight through and just chatting on, on Skype at the time. And then that led, led to, hey, maybe we should start a podcast. And that's when the Bigger Pockets podcast started as we, we started a podcast. I remember I was thinking, like, I want to be like top 100 business podcasts within five years. That was like our goal we wrote down. And it was like the first week we were like number five and like never dropped below number 20 in the last nine years. How did you scale so quickly? Uh, I mean, we had an email list. So at the, by that point, Josh had an email list. I remember he had, he had 100,000 people on his email list. That's good. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, so he had, but what year was that? It would have been, oh, shoot. 2011 not bad yeah 2011 2012 yeah and so i mean he had spent a decade building that list so a lot of people like falsely think that i started bigger pockets I'm like no i came in like a decade after josh mm -hmm. the reason that 
bigger pockets is successful is not because I came in, even though that's when it hockey sticked up, but that wasn't because of me. It was because Josh did 10 years of making no money. And there's such a lesson in this, right? Like almost everybody I know who is really successful in business, there was years of not making any money before it hockey sticked up. Every once in a while, you see somebody who was just like, oh yeah, right off the bat, they did it, right? But most of the time, there's years of what you don't see. And majority of people give up somewhere in that, right? They get excited about their business and then it's like, oh, the reality sets in and then they give up. But Josh stuck with it for years and years and years until he finally had enough money to be able to hire his very first person, which was me. Uh, and so then I came in to help edit blog posts and the podcast and then it just grew from there. So now the email list, and I don't know why the podcast took off and we were early, obviously, yeah. like. I mean, at the time, it's funny. At the time, I thought we were so late. I was like, everybody's <laughs> got a podcast. It's 2011. <laughs> yeah. Like, everybody has a podcast. And, like, they're good. Look at these podcasts. And so I never, like, it was crazy. Yeah. And then it just became the biggest real estate podcast right away. And it never really left that. And so it became the just a big show. So, yeah, crazy. 550 episodes later. So why leave? Yeah. And we should go into that before we go into more real estate sure. while we're on the topic. Yeah. Uh, so I love, I still love bigger pockets. I love it very much. And still, I'm still part owner of the company. Uh, I, I will maintain that and I'll still be around. Like we're still together, but I just have this like one, I live in Hawaii now. I got two little kids, two and five. And just like selling my old rental properties, I needed to clear that mental bandwidth out of my life bigger pockets. I needed to break from the like, like not say monotony because it's really actually enjoyable mm. podcast and YouTube, but I needed a break from that so I can refocus on family and on, you know, the, the real estate company that I built, um, ODC. Uh, and so like we decided, my wife and I were like, I think this is time to just step back, let the company do what it does. Cause here's the problem, right? When you have a company that is heavily dependent upon one person. Not that, I mean, there, there's 50 people that work at bigger pockets and they're all amazing. But when people think bigger pockets, they think of me, like a lot of yes. people do, right? How do you sell a business someday? Or how do you, how do you uh, go public? I mean, I don't know where bigger pockets are going to sell or go public again. Like they sold a few years ago, partially, but like, how do you eventually liquidate a company when it's dependent on one person? You can't, it's really, really, really hard. And so we all knew this was a band-aid that we had to rip off at some point that we had to get out of me being the center. And so it was kind of a, might as well do it now before like, you know, have to do it eventually. Oh, that's so, so tough because for a while I believed that you were bigger pockets. Yeah, like, see, a lot of people Everyone is yeah. like, yeah. oh, Brandon from bigger pockets. Mm -hmm. It's just like, it's flowed so nicely. <laughs> and as you as the face of that yeah. was like, Hey, some guy's really into real estate yeah. and house hacking who gets yeah. down to the nitty gritty. <laughs> it's like, it's a good story. It's yeah. a good image. Yeah. And it's like, everyone can relate to that. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, it's a, it was great. And I'm not saying I'm gone forever. Uh, I like the idea of thinking like, so here, here's what it was. This is an interesting thing. So I have a performance coach. His name's Jason Drees. He's awesome. And he asked, he asked as a good performance coach does, they ask good questions. And then it's almost like therapy. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's like, he, we were talking about me being just stressed out and I feel like I'm working too many hours and like, I don't work that many hours, but when like any hours is too many hours when I've got little kids that I'd rather be with. And so he said, have you ever thought about taking a sabbatical? Just like t take a month off. And I was like, Oh, that's a really good question. Cause I do that. Do I need a sabbatical? And as soon as I said, yeah, I'm going to take a month. I mean, I went Mm -hmm. nine years without missing an episode. I think I had one episode somewhere in the middle where I missed, but I went nine years. It was me every single week. I'm the continuity. And all of a sudden I was like, huh, I could take a month off. 
I can, I can detach my identity from the podcast for a little bit. And as soon as I did that, I tore something like it, like tore the, the connection between me and I have to be the guy in the podcast. I have to be the one doing it. I have to be the one running every piece of my company. And once I tore that a little bit, it was no longer attached. And I was like, oh, well, if I'm going to take a month off, what if I took three months off? And then like five minutes later, I'm like, what if I took six months off? And then I was like, what if I take indefinitely off? And it was doable. I could not go from Brandon on the podcast mm -hmm. to leaving the podcast. But I had to, once I just tore that a little bit, it opened up the rest, which is just a weird like psychological thing that I think a lot of people go through. Their identity is in their job or in their career or in that, whatever that is. And they just, it is so hard to leave that. Mm -hmm. So finally came time and yeah, they'll do fine. If people love the, the brand, Bigger Pockets is so strong now that they'll do all right. Yeah. How do the episodes do when you're not in them? Uh, some of them do really well. Uh, what people like, uh, is the data a lot we found that people like data a lot so we've got um, you know david green everyone loves david green he's my co-host and he's really yeah. good at metaphors he's a, one of the smartest people i've ever met and they love david but they also we got we have a new show now we're like on the same channel where they're going through data like here's all this crazy information about the real estate market and here's what it means and people love those shows i'm not that guy like i can't tell you what the you know per capita income is of Cleveland. I don't care. Mm. Like that's not how, that's not my job. I can hype you up and I can get you really excited about real estate and I can explain why it's good and a hundred dollars a month and you, you know, little oil wells. I love that stuff, but I'm not a data guy. So it's good. They'll, uh, they'll experiment. But you know, you ever watch, what's the show called? Kelly and live with Kelly and Reach. Oh, it used uh, to be Reach. Re so it was right? Reaches and Kathy Reaches Lee, and right? Yeah. Originally. So yeah. this is probably even before like, when I was in like high I school, Regis, Regis and Kathy Regis, Lee. Yeah. Then Kathy Lee left and it was Regis and Kelly. Kelly yeah. Then Regis left and it was Kelly and Michael. Then Michael left and it was Kelly and Ryan. So, oh, I liked Michael. Yeah, Michael was cool, right? Yeah. Stathan, Strathan, the yeah, the gap in his teeth, right? yeah, yeah, I loved him. Yeah, I he was too. so funny. Was this a talk show or something? Yeah, it's like a morning, oh, yeah, yeah. morning, like morning, like Today Show kind of thing. Oh, like, okay. Like, Jack's too young to remember. Yes, exactly. Yeah, this was it, it, the, so today. It's Ryan Seacrest, and so every time that happens in that show, yeah. people are like, "This show sucks." I'm like, ever because like yeah. you, you get used to the people. Yeah. Like, imagine if suddenly like you left the show, right? <laughs> people are like, "Like, where, <laughs> who's, where, this where, guy? Yeah, who's this guy?" Who's right? this guy? Like, or if, or if you left, yeah. people would be like, "Hey, we miss him. Bring him back." Right? But they get over it and people will get over it and there's going to be a dip probably. And they'll be like, well, we want Brandon back. Cause that's what they're used to. And then uh, they'll get somebody else in there and then they'll get used to that person. And I'll pop back in and be like, Hey, I'm still alive. Yeah. And that'll be fun. So yeah, it's crazy. Interesting. Yeah. So, so what are you working on over the next year? Oh What's man, I don't know. Uh, I really want to get better at surfing. Yeah. <laughs> it's a big piece of it. Uh, I want to write another book or two. I've written a bunch and I like writing a lot. So I'll probably write a book or two maybe if I get bored, but man, I just want to like, I want to watch my kids grow up. You know, you don't get that again. Right. I mean, you guys don't have kids yet, right? No. But like, you always just have another kid though. I could have another kid. Yeah. I, I want more kids. Kids are so much fun. They're a wh horrible amount of work, but it's so rewarding. And so I'd love to have another kid so I can practice that throughout the year. It'll be great. <laughs> get it. <laughs> Sex joke. But a Oh, anyway, so uh, Jack, ear mops. yeah, earmuffs, please. <laughs> this show just went PG 13. Uh, so that's all. Yeah, I, I don't yeah, really sure. know, but I want that. I think it's just really good for people to have more mar uh, what they call it, like margin in your life, uh, whether it's in your day. Like when I wake up in the morning, the days that I start with like a buffer, like that margin, uh, just my days go better. Yeah, what do you and mean? A margin, margin like um, space between when you wake up and when you get to work, right? Or even like 
in your day, like taking five minute breaks, like having margin, like edges around your day or in the middle of your day that just breaks things up. So you're not just like thing to thing to thing to thing, but taking time to just like, like relax and like think. In fact, I do a thing every single week. I have this like amazing massage therapist lady from the Four Seasons Hotel comes to my house. I'm a Lanai. You stood on mm-hmm. that front porch, right? And she gives me a 90 minute massage. And my wife gets like a 90 minute massage every week. It's crazy expensive, right? To do How the same time or yeah, one, uh, one at a time, right? So it, it think it's a couple hundred bucks a week, maybe each person, right? Couple hundred a Wait, week. Each person? Yeah, a I think person? it's like I think it's a hundred and fifty. I don't know these numbers. I think it's like hundred and fifty bucks and for an hour and a half. That's wait, wait, but and she comes to you? Yeah, it comes to me. That's cheap. Yeah, I mean it's not bad for a massage, correct. To come to you for yes. an hour and a half. Yeah. It's not bad. It's not terrible, all. right? Yeah. But you do it yeah, now it's but you made my wife both. Now it's three hundred a week times four, it's twelve hundred bucks a month, let's call it. Some people would say that's a a, a frivolous waste of money. Uh. That is the most profitable hour and a half of my week by far when I'm on that massage table because that's buffer, that's margin in my life where the first uh, the first hour of that, right? There's yeah. a, and this is important, yeah. 90 minutes is more, to me anyway, 90 minutes matters, 60 minutes doesn't do. Just like a, a 60 minute run doesn't do it for me, a 90 minute run changes my life and here's why. The first hour of that like boredom, no phone, mm-hmm. no nothing, your brain's like bored first of all. It's trying to like, find ways to get the dopamine hit that you get every time you swipe, right? And for the first hour, it's like just all over. It's just scrambled. You're thinking of a hundred different things. But then at some point in there, your brain starts to think of something that's important. You get through the clutter and it starts to focus on a thing, some problem in your life or some situation or some business idea. And so I I liken it to a tornado, right? So a tornado, like it's whirling around like this Mm -hmm. really fast. And then it starts to like cycle in on something. And then you get just on some topic in your head. And the last 30 minutes of that massage is where like, I would say nine out of 10 of my best ideas for whether it's video content or uh, I mean, business ideas, problems that I'm going with in business, how to grow, like Open Door Capital, like the, you know, the company I founded, like so much of that has been because of that, that margin, that time. So going back, the year that I'm, that I'm taking off is really designed to be a year of just margin. Uh, people call them sabbaticals. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like, but that's what it's about, it's about, just taking that time. In fact, I have that margin every week, Friday night at sunset, like we shut off our phones, no phone, no TV, unless it's like a family movie, uh, which is like a, you know, a cool thing to do. Mm-hmm. Right. But like it's margin. There's no phone. There's no work. There's no shopping. We don't go shopping. We don't spend money other than maybe go to coffee together. And it, it forces you to slow down and just add that margin in your week. So I'm all about like margin in my day, margin in my week, and now margin in my life. And so when you add that in there, it just adds a richness and a depth to your life that I think I lacked for a long time. And the more I lean into that, uh, the more happy and fulfilled I, I'm getting. I want a massage now. Let's you know, do it right I've now. Never gotten, come on over here, man. Oh come God, on, come on over here. I'm, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you used oh, to get them, man. Yeah, I did. So that, yeah. I was about to say, so uh, in L.A., at the Oppenheim Group, right below, there was this massage place that had mm. happy hour massage. Get this, $35 <laughs> for an hour. And it was the best massage. That sounds great. Because I've tried a few since then in other places, and I've yet to find one I'm really happy with. And some mm. of them, they hurt. Yeah. Like, I went to one, and it was a good deal. I think it was like, and here they're expensive. Yeah. I think it was like 80 bucks. Here for, they're expensive? Yes, it was like $80 for an hour, which is normal. The other place was really cheap. Oh. $35 is really cheap. Yeah. But the entire thing was a painful experience. And, like, she found a knot, and just yeah, yeah. Sometimes like it hurts. It. Yeah. And yep. it was like, this isn't relaxing to me. This mm-hmm. doesn't help me. Now I'm just like 
I'm trying to like breathe through the pain. Mm-hmm. But the the one in LA was so relaxing and it got to a point where I I would usually do one about once every week and a half or so, but I'd come up with some of the video ideas. Yeah. Because it's just like you you don't think of anything yep. and just ideas come yeah. through and I'm like, oh, that's a good idea. And entirely, I'm sometimes like, oh, I should write that down, but I don't. Yeah. But uh, I come out of him like three ideas. I started leaving so. a notebook. So you know how you have the massage table it has like the, the circle you put yeah. your face in it. So you're looking down at the ground usually. I started literally putting a notebook and a pen underneath that. Mm-hmm. And the massage lady just knows. She knows that like in the middle of that, I'll just stop. I'm like, hold on. And I can reach it because my arms are like yeah. ridiculously long. They call me the human selfie stick. It's great. <laughs> uh, so like I will reach down there and I'll just write the idea down so I don't forget it. Uh, you can also take your phone and just like do a voice memo like underneath. And, you know, the massage person's going to think you're crazy. But it's a... Uh, yeah, it's so powerful uh, adding that breaks in your life. That's why people like meditation. I'm not a huge meditation guy, right. but it's the same concept. Just taking time to slow down. It's it's huge. I'm doing that every day now. A meditation? That's yeah. awesome. I'm Using like following a plan. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. It's pretty good. Good? Uh, it's, I, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty like uh, wiry. Yeah, yeah. Like I, it's difficult for me to like sit down and chill for a second. Like uh-huh. I'm always like, oh, I just want to like get, if, if I'm ready to work, if I want to meditate, that means I'm like good enough to work. Yeah. Like for example, I was meditating last night, but I'm like, I just want to set up my Ikea curtains mm-hmm. right now. Yeah. Uh, you know? <laughs> yeah. It I, I did the meditation thing for a few months and uh, it helped, but then I missed a few days. Mm-hmm. It's like, Oh, everything's fine. They just stopped. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> and, and now I'm so, but I don't know. Yeah. I, I think it helped, but I don't, I didn't do it long enough to really see it through. Like I, yeah. I was not as consistent after a few months. Yeah. I think it's one of those things that, like you do for years and you look back and you're like, Oh, I can see a big difference in my life because of that. But yeah, I don't do it regularly. I'm not, I'm not great at it. I try to, and I, I feel like yeah. there's a benefit there, but I just, I don't do it. What other routines or life hacks do you do besides like massages mm-hmm. and, and, and these, like what would be unique that, uh, that other people could do? Yeah. Um, I'm a pretty big, like goal planning kind of guy, uh, like journaling, like, uh, so Almost every morning I try to do this. So I, I, I write down like my top three goals every morning. Like these are the three things I'm going for. So once a quarter, well, yeah, let me back up. I've got a very clear vision on where I'm headed with my company, with my life, all that. Uh, there's a great book called Vivid Vision by a guy named Cameron Harold. It's all about like having a very clear picture of where you're headed. Not like a mission statement, not like a number, but like this is a 3,000 word article. Like this is what I wrote. I wrote a 3,000 word article about my company, like written it three years in the future. It was like, this is what we do. This is what we are. This is what our team looks like. This is what the media thinks about us. This is like, as if it was like an article in the New York Times, right? So I start with this vision. I work to like every year annual goal. So I actually just, that's why I'm here in town right now. We're doing our annual goal setting tomorrow with my company. So we're going to figure out the whole next year. Then I do like quarterlies where I'm like, this is what I'm doing this quarter. I take that to my journal and I'm like, what are the three goals I'm working on this quarter? Uh, and what are the habits? So I track my habits pretty meticulously. So things like, I call them lead habits, right? There's certain habits that if you do, they benefit a lot of areas of life. For example, if I go to bed by like 10 o'clock at night, I know that the next morning it's way more likely I'm going to work out. It's way more likely I'm going to be really rested and feel really good. It's way more likely I'm going to then like make a good video and actually want to go do a podcast. So there's like that one thing of going to bed by 10 o'clock affects so many other areas of my life. I'll be better for my kids and all that. So I track things like that uh, every single morning. I write down my goals every morning. I write down what I call your MINS, M-I-N-S. It's like your most important next step. I mean, think about it this way. Uh, if if everything, like if you had your goal, you know where you wanted and you know what you're going to get for the quarter and you know what you want to do, uh, you know, this week even, like I've defined this week, I want to do this. Most people, that's as far as they ever take it. They're like, I want to go to the gym this week. But 
or I want to make a, I'm gonna make a YouTube video. Let's do that one, right? I'm gonna make a YouTube video this week. And then the week goes by and they never made the YouTube video. And, and really when you break it down, almost everything in life is a series of five minute or less tasks, almost everything. Mm-hmm. So I started asking myself the question, like, what is the M-I-N-S, most important next step? Like the smallest tangible thing. And it literally might be like, open up my Evernote and look at my list of video ideas. Like, that's it. It's a three second task. And then, so I have the goal, I have the week, I have my most important next step, open up Evernote. And then I ask myself again, like right after that, okay, what's my mins, M-I-N-S. So every single morning I write down what my goal is, why I want the goal. And then I write down what my most important next step is to get it done. Then I put it on my calendar. So I'm just very meticulous about that. And it's, it's helped a lot of, in a lot of areas of life. I do business, I do personal, fitness, family, all that stuff. So I'm probably kind of a weirdo with goals, but it works for me. That's really cool. I like it. I love the men's thing. That's really cool. Uh, Let's do it on you right now. What's a goal you want to achieve in life? A goal I want to achieve in life? What's something you want to do? Real estate? You want to buy some rentals? Uh, First thing I thought of was uh, probably having a family. Okay. Do you have a girlfriend, wife, anything like that? No. Okay. Uh, We want to get you a girlfriend. We got to work on that first date. Uh, All right. So we want to get one date. What's, What's your most important next step? I'm getting a date. I'm getting getting a date. What's the smallest, less than five minute task that you should be doing to get a date? Probably finding a girl. Okay, get, let's get more specific. What can you do? Probably look better. <laughs> get it, maybe get a haircut. Okay, shave, let's, let's go with that. Let's go with shave that. Shave my get, neck. Get a haircut. What's the what's the what's the most important next step on getting a haircut? Uh, what's your men's on getting a haircut? Uh, looking up. Or actually, there's a great clips down the street. Okay, what's your most important next step for getting a haircut? Uh, Getting my car and going to great clips. Okay. Would you have to schedule an appointment or anything? No. Okay, you just got to go. Yeah. Okay, when are you going to do that? I just don't. Okay. <laughs> oh, you're the the excuse. What time? Yeah, look, what's here? What's man, time? look. You're saying I, your no, entire I, goal. No, you said no. You said okay. what's a goal I want in life? Okay. I yep. want to have a good, happy family. Okay. But I'm only 23. That's I just true. turned 23, so I think that's something I want to do. But I don't think that's something that's like a pressing thing. Sure. It's okay. Like, so I, maybe I, that's I, not the ideal thing. But you get the idea, right? Like I like that. It's like so especially nice. Like especially if you're like hammering yeah. it in, you we know. Continue like continue this forward. So, people yeah. pay Brandon big money for this. You realize <laughs> so, people pay Brandon like five grand. Well, here's just to, just, just for, this, for what right he's this. doing to you right, right. now. You follow along. It's super simple though. Yeah. So in other words, this amazing life goal of like what you want to accomplish is to have kids and a family. Like think of how amazing that is. It all comes down to you just going to great clips, right, or whatever supercuts. I don't know. Like. Your entire life is, is all dependent on this one simple act of getting a haircut right now. That's it. Why aren't you getting a haircut, man? Why are you still sitting here? Like, go get your haircut. No, you're right. Timing, it doesn't matter, right? Right. That's good. But right. people are like, hey, I, want, I hate my job. I want to get out of my job. I'm like, okay, well, what's your most important next? They want, oh, yeah, I want to buy a rental property. I want to get uh, 3000 a month in cash flow. Great. What's your most important, you know, what's most important next step? They're like, well, I got to buy a rental. What's your most important next step? Uh, I got to find a real estate agent. Great. What's your most important next step? Uh... I got to go on, you know, and they'll, they'll usually like, I don't know, right? Go to, if you go to Facebook and ask family and friends, hey, does anybody know a good real estate agent in Las Vegas? That takes 30 seconds to make that post. Do you know a great real estate agent in Las Vegas? And it'll probably get you what you want. Your entire future, the next 80 years of your life, enjoying life, having wealth, like living an amazing, incredible life, all comes down to 30 seconds. But you know what? People will go 30 years without doing that task. It's a 30 second task. And they'll go 30 years without doing it. And they'll wake up with 60, 70 years old, overweight, like, you know, divorced four times. And they're like, why isn't my life working out? 
because they didn't do the 30 second task when they knew they needed to, because they just don't think about it. So I'm, I'm really big on this idea of like, go work backwards from what you want and everything is a five minute or less task. So that was crazy. That was really good. Well, Holy cow. Do that again. <laughs> yeah, do it to, do it to Graham. Do it to, do it to Graham. Graham. Actually, yeah. Graham, we're going to do it yeah. to you right now. Let's All do it. Right. That'd be fun. You ready? So what's, what's a financial goal you have? Uh, you want to buy or do gosh. or maybe a, uh, gosh. a business idea? Man, I want to lower my taxes. Okay, you want to lower your taxes. Great. That's great. Taxes. All right, you lower your taxes. Yeah, what are, it's too late for this year, What's though. the most? Is it? You get two weeks. How? Where? Uh, I don't know. What's your most important next step to find that answer? I'm worried about rushing it. But okay. uh, I, I already asked you. Yeah. Okay. So and you and you said no. Uh, I, I, you, I, don't, uh, you didn't true. have anything closing this year. Yeah. No. Uh, Ryan Pineda you... uh, was in, was another person, but he uh, okay. he didn't have anything closing this year. Okay. And uh, too late on that. So I have two weeks basically mm. to to spend money on something that that I feel like shouldn't be rushed. So I feel like it's probably too late for this year. Maybe. What's your most important next step to find out? Who could you? Who, what's your most important next step that you could ask? Who could you ask? I could ask you. Okay. So when's the next deal that you have coming up? I don't have a deal. But uh, <laughs> why we just not? Finished, we just raised a fund. But you could. Yeah. Like, Can I get in that fund? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think we're full. Sorry. Uh, but <laughs> I've got a uh, duplex that Kirk Cobain used to live in. That you <laughs> no, uh, but, yeah. but uh, for example, I'm part of a group. It's called GoBundance, right? So it's all millionaires. You have to be a million dollar plus net worth to be in it. And there's a Facebook group where people post in there. So because you're asking me, do I have any suggestions for you? I'd be like, well, I could post in there and just say, hey, anybody have any ideas? I got a buddy who's looking to whatever. So in less than a five-minute task for me, I can post in this group, and somebody might have a deal coming. There's hundreds of real estate investors in the group that do exactly what I do. So that's an option. Don't you feel like it's a bit rushed? If I have two weeks to basically spend that amount of money, yeah. And I don't want to rush a deal unless unless the perfect thing comes up. It's like, hey, we got this commercial space put a million in it and yeah it just won't, three you won't times. close in, in, in right in that time yeah mm. yeah so i'm yeah. kind of screwed by necessarily by 10 no i don't need 10 model I, I wanted to build out the other garage so could you buy a jet no. <laughs> grant cardone style i, th- I thought about so many <sighs> things now there's yeah. just there's nothing mm. real estate was the only thing that i thought would be good but i'm too late in the year real estate is i introduced you by the way to my buddy who does the uh the what's it called the you buy real estate and save a bunch of money on taxes because you buy yep. commercial so you got an email in there oh. but you won't close by the end of the year on that no i don't think anyway hmm. let me put some more thought into this yeah i like i love problems like this yeah like so there's this thing called parkinson's law right you've probably heard it before mm-hmm. like work expands to fill the time you have yeah uh, like i don't know 10 years ago now i had this goal set at the beginning of the year i'm gonna buy this is before i was like super goal oriented mm-hmm. but i was like i want to buy 12 units this year 12 properties or 12 units right and it was like december 21st and i counted them up i was just like driving home from the airport and i kind of forgot the goal again i wasn't doing any of this journal stuff every day and i was like counting them up i'm driving home from the airport and i'm like oh dang it about 11 i was like well it was a good try i mean 11 pretty close right mm-hmm. uh, 11 pretty good but then i remember like i'm not somebody who just like gives up 90 percent of the way there right like i might as well try so I had, I had 10 days at the end of the year, and two of them are holidays, and one's Christmas Eve. Uh, and on December 30th, I closed on my 12th property. And like, I closed on it. I didn't even have anything in mind at all, mm. and I had, you know, whatever, 10 days or nine days I closed later. It just shows, like, the power of, like, when you have a year to get something done, you'll get it done in a year. But if you really want to do it in two weeks, three weeks, you'll do it. Like, there's always a way. Just 
where's the mental, you know, it's going to take some yes. mental energy. Is it worth it? Right. But that's why I love, I love problems like that. I love constrained times. Like anytime you can put something into a shorter timeline, it, you'll almost always get it done in the same amount of like effectiveness as if you would have done it in a longer time. So yeah. I'm a huge fan. But let me let me work on that problem in my head a little bit. Yeah, like that's that's really financially. There's really not much. That's really. I mean, you could do a. Uh, I'm not an expert at this, but you could do a charity. What's it called a charitable remainder trust? You heard of those, right? Like you dump money into this like trust, and then you can you get the deduction in the year that you put it in there, but you don't have to give the money in the year that you put it in there. So let's say you throw a million bucks in this trust, and you now have a million dollar write off. And then you can figure out over the next few years where you want to give the money to, yeah. but you get it off uh, in this year. Um, I'm actually working on an idea that's different, but similar. Um, curious your thoughts. I'm going to give you guys a, a pitch right sure. here, right? Okay. Uh, this is the idea that I have. I'm thinking, so what we do in real estate, like in my company, like ODC, what we do is we buy these properties, let's call it $50 million for an apartment building. We then fix it up a little bit over the time, over the next few years, we'll raise the rent slowly. Uh, we pay off the mortgage a little bit. And after, and by the way, we raise the money from people like you to mm-hmm. invest, All right? So you give us the money, you're funding the down payment. We buy the property, fix it up and we sell it. Let's call it seven years later for $80 million. We bought it for 50, we sell it for 80. Now we've paid off the property. Let's call it $5 million in that time. Mm-hmm. So and we pay some closing costs and all that. At the end of the day, we clear 30 million bucks. We give it back to you and the hundreds of other people that gave us money. You get a nice return on your money. You're like, yeah, that was cool. I made some money. And I get some fees and I get some profit at the end. And everybody wins, right? But what do we actually do there? Like, what, what, what do we actually do? We, out of thin air, generated $30 million. Just like, now it took seven years to get there, but we made, like, what other industry can you with that level of, like, assurance? Not that it's 100%, but, yeah, like, sure. that level of assurance generate $30 million with relatively not that much work. Because, like, the mach- I mean, I already have well, 3,000 units. Add on another 300 onto that. It's not that much extra work for my company to manage that. And the key then, so here's what I want to do. I want to go to guys like you and say, hey, you put in go put in a million bucks into this fund. You're going to get your million dollars back whenever we sell the property. But you put the million dollars in now, you get a 0% return on your money and you get your money back at the end because we're going to take a $50 million property and turn it into an $80 million property and we're going to give $30 million to kids that don't have food over in some country, right? Mm-hmm. Think of the massive good you could do in that case. But here's what's cool. You, who just donated, let's say a million dollars, you your million dollars would have turned into three or four million dollars mm-hmm. over that time. There may be a way, and I'm still working through the, the logistics of this, that you can write off the three to four million dollars in the year that you give it. So you give me the million dollars today and you take a three million dollar loss. Well, isn't that what uh, what they're doing with the, I forget what the, the stock account is called. The, Maybe, uh, I don't know. I, I think they're already doing it with stocks where you could, you, you would throw your money into an investment account mm-hmm. that's specifically meant for charity and then you're able to donate the full amount of yeah. that account. So if it goes from one to five, yep. you're able to donate the five. Yeah, I think that, so similar thing, just oh. doing it with real estate. Uh, and I'm like, when I thought of this, I started putting together with some other real estate investors who were like, oh shoot, like this could like, like, cause now all of a sudden you make money by giving, donating money, like right away. Like yeah. you offset your money, you offset your income. Now you, maybe we can't do it in the year of, I think we can though, but even if not, okay, fine. You get the deduction, $5 million yeah. or whatever down the road, who cares? 
I think a lot of wealthy people would feel really good. And then every quarter, instead of like a quarterly report, yeah, you get sure. quarterly lives saved. Like, hey, this year we saved, you know, or this quarter we saved yeah. 45 kids from malaria. Good job. Thanks for your support. Yeah. Like, that would make everyone feel so good. And then the tax benefits come in. And so anyway, that's one thing I'm going to be working on this year on my little sabbatical mm-hmm. is thinking through how do I make that a thing like that? And if we treat all of our like um, life like that, like just always thinking like, what do I got to do next? Like, what's the most important next thing? And then you do it. And then you ask yourself again and again and again. And it's just, it's incredible how fast you can go through life. But what we do, I call it dead space. It's the time between taking actions on any project. Like how long does it take to read a book? Like if you were to just pick up a new business book, like you'd probably read it in what, a couple of weeks maybe. But are you a really slow reader? Like that's like one word a minute, right, you know? Like right. the reality is we read for an hour, we wait for a day. We read for 10 minutes. We wait for a couple of days. But what if you read every hour for five minutes? You get it done in a couple a couple of days. You read every, if you read 45 minutes every hour, you'd get it done in an afternoon. So the idea is like you want to minimize that dead space on the things that really matter in life is just shorten that time. So instead of taking action once a month, take action every single day, even if it's just a little bit, little five minute task. So I'm, I'm it's really so motivational. It's getting excited to like, yeah. it's just, it's yeah. li- it is life changing stuff, yeah. right? It's just, it's the difference between like so many people live their entire life. Like they're in the backseat of a cab, like they like their life is driving and they're in the backseat, just like on their phone, like swiping and like not really sure where their life's going. It's just like falling where it wants to go. But then at some point in your life, you can realize like, Hey, like I, there is no cab driver. Like, it's just like, driving all over the place like automatic i can get in the front seat and i can drive and i can choose where i'm going and i can choose the direction i'm going to take to get there and this is like almost every like uber successful person i know they all live their life this exact same way they know where they're going and they they work toward it and, and things change all the time right like road construction pops up but you're driving so you swerve around it and you figure out another way and you ask how am i going to get past it and uh yeah i'm so passionate about this idea of like take control of your life and like yeah, there's too much misery in the world, you know, and, and, and people just like miserable because they're just letting life take them. So, not you guys, though. You guys are crushing Jeez. it. You guys are crushing I'm all, it. I'm all amped up now. And now yeah, I'm like, drink some more coffee. Five man. o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to do all these things. Well, how many people have you know? You're like, you're like oh, I'm, I'm like, I want to no. lose weight, right? Like, you know, like, I went to the gym on Monday and then I didn't, I didn't lose any weight. So I haven't been back in a week. And you're just like, like, it's not about going once, right? It's about going every day. Yeah. So, yeah, you can't complain about being out of shape or overweight or anything like that because you have the choice to change it right. for most people. So. All right. I want to know now, what is your opinion on the real estate market as a whole and uh, any advice that you may have for me in my current position? I spoke to yeah. me, Kevin, about this because I, I yeah. just closed it, like I told you before the podcast, on my first yep. property, October 11th. And now I'm like, okay, I kind of want to get another property. The only issue is I don't want to move in to a new yep. property. Like I'm so content in my current place. Like we strung up lights. I have a ping pong room. It's That's gravy. Cool. Yeah. It is so nice. Yeah. Uh, but I do want the lower interest rate. The FHA loan, that one, like live in one of the units, it's only one of a dozen plus strategies that I, I mean, I, not, to, not to plug a book, but I wrote a book like six years ago. My first one, it was on how to invest in real estate with no and low money down. Like it's literally like, here's a bunch of different ways you can invest in real estate with no money. And the FHA, the house hacking thing is just one of those ways. And it's not even a good one because it's not zero down. It's three and a half percent down. Like there's better ways than that. I was going to put 25%. Oh, yeah. I mean, then just go get a 25% loan on an investment property and you don't have to worry about the living. That's fine. Yeah, totally fine. You can get 20 to 25% down loans all day long. Uh, So that's definitely, if you have the money, 
all day long, just go get a rental property. Now, get the right rental property, right? And that's not just like, go buy a property. In fact, I, I did an interview for Business Insider recently. Did, you, did I tell you about that one? Mm-hmm. Oh, I did this interview for Business Insider. And uh, I mean, it's a big site. Mm. And I, I was worried that it wasn't gonna be a friendly interview, even though it's a, it's a business thing. But they started interviewing a lot of other, they're trying to get a hold of me and I just kind of like blew it off for a while. And they started interviewing all these other people around me and people would call me like, hey, I just had a talk with Business Insider. They wanna know all about you and what you're doing and all that. And I was like, ah, that doesn't sound good. But then I figured I might as well, I, I can, I might as well like hear the guy out and figure out what they're talking about. So they write this article about me. I talked to the journalist for like an hour and a half and in there, I, just a conversation like this. It was like, I just tell him about what I like about real estate, where the market's headed, and I'll come back to your question, by the way. I didn't totally forget it. Anyway, and in there, I said, you can't just go and buy any random property on the MLS, like the, where all the properties are for sale, and then hope to make money. Like that was like 2010, right? You could just buy anything back right. then and made money. You gotta know what you're doing. You gotta like run some numbers. Like it's, it's one in a hundred deals are actually probably good enough to make money. So you just gotta get, you know, learn how to do it. It's a, it's a learnable process. And so the quote, like the, the, the headline was something like, Brandon Turner makes millions selling dreams, but he doesn't even believe in real estate. Like that was what they, that's, that's the quote they took. And they said, he says, if you buy a property right now, you'll lose money. That was, that's what they took from that was because I said, if you buy any random property, you're going to lose money. So if you buy any random property, you're going to lose money unless you know what you're doing a little bit. Right. So, um, and they, by the way, the picture they took for that, like they took a picture, like they put my face on that article. They put a gold tooth that like shot. (laughs) No, look it up. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. What is it? Just type it on. I go to Google, have like business insider, Brandon Turner makes millions. Uh, Oh my gosh. Isn't that great? That's it. Brandon Turner makes millions selling real estate investing dreams. Yeah. Yeah. Even he says you'll lose money right now. Can you not, uh, cause (laughs) from my experience, oh, you spoke with, what is this? Daniel? Yeah, I think so. From my experience with Business Insider, they want people to come back. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make any sense if you're unhappy with this that they wouldn't change it. Yeah, well, it was. Did you ask a, him to change I, it? I sent an email. I was like, "That was an interesting." Because I'm, I'm here's what the media does today, right? Media like somebody writes an article. Article is actually pretty decent. There's a little bit of criticism. Of what, not necessarily criticism of what I do, but more like questioning, like, like. Why are people giving influencers money? That was the, kind of the question they posed yeah. in there. But most of it's a pretty like actual factual good article. Yeah. Then some editor or the, um, some guy in charge changes the headline because they want clicks, right? They're like, oh, Brandon Turner's got a big name. Let's make it controversial. And they put it out there. So I emailed the guy. I'm like, well, that was an interesting choice for a title. I actually would have shared the article all over and so would Bigger Pockets, which you know have a big reach. We would have talked about it all over had you not given me a shiny tooth and, and, and made me look like a moron. Yeah. And he mm-hmm. never wrote back. So I'm like, maybe he didn't Do you have a phone number to call. No, I just left it. I'm like, right. they, they deliberately like, it was a, it was a smear article. Uh, and again, the question like that they kind of pose is like, <clears throat> I mean, we've raised a hundred million dollars from accredited investors. So all rich people, like, it's not like I'm taking money from grandma, but we raised a hundred million dollars from people in the last year and a half and used that to buy $300 million worth of real estate. And they're saying like, I mean, that's unheard of. Like back in the day to raise money, you had to go to every conference. You had to wear a suit and a tie. You had to like do this game. And it was all like who you knew. And you had to make a dozen pitches every day and do big, long webinars. I mean, it was, and I still know guys that do that. Like they just work so incredibly hard to raise a few million bucks. And then here I am like on Instagram. I was like in my flip flops and doing stupid videos of me dancing in my kitchen to punk rock. And I'm like, oh, by the way, I'm raising some money. And then people are like, here, take mine, right? And 
that article is like, how is that a thing? Like this guy just could not mm. believe that's a thing that people do. Uh, and the truth is like they do it because they know, like, and trust me. Uh, and this is the secret to raising money is like when you can get people to know, like, and trust you at scale, like they understand that I'm not going to take their money and run because they know that I'm a father. They know where I live. They know that they've heard me for 500 hours on a podcast. So they're like, yeah, I would trust that guy with my money. And they've heard me talk and they know that I can intelligently talk about the pros and cons of real estate and why I like it and what goes, you know. So real estate investing has changed dramatically over the past few years in that ability to raise money via social media. Uh, and uh, I'm kind of one of the guys at the forefront. I mean, of course, Grant Cardone is so much farther ahead of, than I am on that. I mean, he's raised like a billion or two or three now. I don't know. He's raised a ton. But uh, it's fascinating, this idea of taking like this kind of niche celebrity world that we're in and then using that to, to raise money to then buy big real estate deals. And then you take a piece, it's private equity, it's just yeah. that scale. So anyway, back to your question, real estate market, where's it going? Yeah. Yeah. Down the toilet. No, just kidding. Uh, <laughs> Brandon Turner makes millions. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think of course we have no idea, right? A couple of thoughts. One, I don't care to some level. I don't really care that much because if the market goes down, I will just buy more real estate. It's great. Like uh, it's actually going to be a good thing. If real estate goes down in price, I'll buy more because we buy for cash flow. Like we buy properties that make money today. I do not expect rent to drop. And even if it did, it could drop 20% before we even break even. Cause you know, a bank won't like, if you're buying a commercial loan, a bank won't even give you a loan if you're not making 20% margins. Like that's like their number 20 or 25%. So like we rents could drop 25% before we're breaking even. Uh, and that's all. I mean, rents don't typically drop even in 08, they didn't drop. And, and with the amount of money that the government's printing right now, there's not a lot of people out there thinking that we're going to see lower rents and lower real estate prices. Almost everybody I know says the same thing that rents will likely continue to climb. Uh, there's been a housing shortage in America. That's only getting worse and worse. They're not, they're not building as many houses as there are people coming into the country and wanting to, and wanting to live. Supply and demand says, again, that's going to drive up rents even higher. So I don't worry too much about the rent. So as long as I buy properties that make money today, I'm okay. If the market drops, it doesn't matter. You have a mortgage. Like my property could go to zero. It doesn't matter. I just like eventually comes back up again. Again, real estate tends to up and down there. All right. That said, uh, I, I think it's going to keep going up. I think we're going to see a lot more like turning into Europe. You know, like in Europe, it wouldn't be a normal thing. The, what, the kind of real estate cash flow that we have like in America is not normal in the rest of the world. Like you don't just go and like buy a property for 20% down and start making hundreds of dollars a month in cash flow. That's not a thing in most countries. Um, like for example, Hawaii is probably more similar to what a lot of Europe is where the house costs a million dollars and it rents for $2,000 a month. Versus you can buy a house in Ohio for $100,000 and it rents for $2,000 a month. Like that's, it's like 10 times more profitable than it is in Europe. So I think we're just going to become more and more like Europe and more like Canada, uh, which has been like just crazy expensive. And in which case, great, all our properties go up and up and up. So buy properties that make sense now, run the numbers, learn how to run those numbers and account for things like we talked about earlier, CapEx, right? Things will break, that pipe at your house. That's just, mm. you know what's going to happen. So if you're setting aside 300 bucks a month for CapEx, that's $3,600 a year, every, every other year you could spend seven grand on some repair and it's like, okay, no problem. If you have a problem and money can fix it and you have the money, you don't have a problem. Yeah. It's just business.
How do you feel about people villainizing landlords? Yeah. <laughs> because it does seem, and mm-hmm. we were talking about this the other day, that yeah. we're moving in the direction right now where if you're a landlord, you're bad. Yes. Because housing is a human right. Mm-hmm. And just like you wouldn't gouge someone for food, uh, people need a place to live. Yeah. And as a landlord, you're profiting on that. Yeah. So there seem it's it, we're going in that direction. Yeah. I don't think we I, I don't think we've seen the worst of it yet. Yeah. And I think it's unfortunately I think it's going to continue. I assume. And to into a point where you could no longer say you're a landlord. The biggest risk that I think we have in real estate today is and this is not a political <clears throat> it is a political thing but mm. it it is if <clears throat> somebody likes like Bernie or AOC gets in charge. Mm. And then do something like, you know what? Like housing is a right. So we're going to take all rent in America and drop it in half. Like if that, ha- like I doubt that'll happen. And I think there's a lot of smart people in, this sounds ridiculous, but in Washington who would make sure that didn't happen. And they would say, no, that's going to destroy the world. But that is, I think the biggest risk we have is that, is that housing gets so expensive because of the government's just printing some money. So all of a sudden rent goes from a thousand to 2000 to 3000 and jobs aren't keeping up. Then the government might step in and, and institute rent control or start dropping rents. But like they're not going to bankrupt every landlord in America because then for, everything is foreclosed on and they completely tank the economy. So I don't expect that. I think it's a one in a thousand shot. But that is the biggest risk we have is that somebody comes in. I mean, there was a, uh, oh, was it you telling me this or somebody else? That there's a city council person in like Seattle who was like fighting to say like every, like every landlord was going to have to give equity and ownership to every one of their tenants. And that was just a thing oh because gosh, tenants yeah. deserve to own where they live. And it's like, okay, well, are, are they going to pay their share of the roof when it breaks? And are they going to pay their share of the pipe that broke in front yard? Like, who's paying that money? Like, there's a reason landlords make money. Now, the other reason I don't worry too much from a political side is that most, I don't know if most, I don't know the numbers, but many, many, many of the senators and congresspeople in our world, they own real estate. Most of the rich people in the U.S. own real estate. It's, they're not going to screw themselves. But from my, yeah, yeah it's it can be like a cop. Yeah, I'll cops aren't liked, landlords yeah. aren't liked. People want to get elected. Yes. I think it's moving in that direction mm-hmm. where you can't say, hey, guys, we want to be financially literate. Mm-hmm. Let's save our money. It, it's a lot easier to say, let's cancel student loan debt. Yeah, I agree. So, uh, college should be free. Let's tax the people making a little bit more than mm-hmm. you. Uh, that's not fair. And uh, I think those are the people more likely to get votes. And over time, yeah. it's slowly going to switch. I, I also wouldn't be surprised if at some point we, ha- we have a, a nationwide uh, rent control. Mm-hmm. At some point where it's like, hey, you can't raise the rent more than 3%. Here, here are these terms. Or they, they basically say to people, you cannot own more than five properties. Yeah. You have a main residence, a, a vacation home, and three rentals. And that's it. Yeah. Or if you're married... Well, now it's 10 properties that you could own between the two of you, yep. something like that. And then once you reach your 10th property, uh, you know, then it's like, well, now you got to sell one of them to buy something else. Or maybe they start progressively taxing it. Like after five properties, then you pay a surtax on that sixth property, like yeah. like an extra 10% or something like that. Yeah, I just, so. I just think that there were always – be a way to outsmart yes. the politicians. Like yeah. always, like there's so many rules today that were like years ago, we're like, no, I can't believe you made that rule. And then like, okay, we're going to start an LLC and they're going to own the property. I don't own it. Like this company does. Yeah. And you wrap it in this company and you put it in here. There's all like, there's, you always find ways to outsmart the politicians. And, uh, and this is, maybe this is a problem with uh, a democracy and capitalism, but the people who have money and are well-educated, they can afford the lawyers and the people to get around the laws 
And so then they do and they make even more money. Yeah. And the people that don't get hurt by those rules, which is why I think a huge problem in California, like I don't think rent control I think rent control led to the prices going crazy in California. It didn't stop it. It no. led to it, right? I think anytime they try to curtail free market, it tends to hurt the people at the bottom of the market, I think. And yeah. so if they saw nationwide rent control, we would all shift how we do things a little bit. We'd all keep watching YouTube videos and learning and growing, and we'd figure out a way around it. We'd figure out a way to make money, and we'd do even better, and then yeah. the people would get more screwed at the bottom. Like, I got to tell you, I'm, I'm really upset. I mean, this, it is what it is, but my place in West L.A., um, the rent control is so strict there that the maximum you could raise your rent is $54 a year. Oh, yeah. That's it. And the place would probably rent for all in like 10 grand a month mm -hmm. and $54 a year. So my property tax goes up higher yep. than my rent increase on the property. It's better for me to leave it empty. And just so I have a place to come back to, you know, every few weekends, spend a weekend mm -hmm. there, it's better for me to leave it empty than rent it. Because it's it's so difficult to get a tenant out, and I just it wouldn't make sense. Yeah, yeah, so, I can see yeah. that. There's also what what happens too is people shift, right? So they're going to shift. Like Texas will never institute rent control, right? It's Texas. Mm -hmm. uh, Oklahoma is never going to institute rent control. These like these like conservative states just I can't imagine them doing it. Therefore, like people just shift there. I mean, and those who want to tackle the problems of rent control, there's ways to make money in that too. They're going to do that too. So I, I, I'm very much an optimist that I will always figure out a way around whatever's coming. And I think when we take that perspective, like it's, just, it's still freeing. Just like, oh yeah, like they can't take away my ability to learn and to grow and mm. to network and to figure things out. And I don't know. It, yeah. I just, I worry that people have to do what's popular for the vote. Mm -hmm. And if 80% of people are in favor for something, yes. even if it's wrong, even if it's wrong, yeah. Uh, financially, I'm not saying, you know, their beliefs yeah. are wrong, but, but if, if that would lead to higher housing prices mm -hmm. and they're just unaware, it, yep. it's really difficult to explain. Yeah. But if, if it's popular to say, hey, uh, we need more rent control. Yep. Then that's what's going to get voted in. Yep. I mean, I, what are your thoughts on inflation right now? The money print. I mean, you're smart with stuff. And you guys personally, I don't think I don't think it's real inflation. I think it's a lot of supply chain issues and bottlenecks. So that's why. Um, what was it? I think it was Google uh, refused to give their uh, employees a raise based on the inflation readings. And I think Google is smart enough to know that if inflation goes up seven percent, uh, you know. This isn't a, a permanent thing that's going to last another 10 years. So they're like, why are we going to increase wages 7% when this could go down three years from now? Mm -hmm. And then what? We're not going to bring down their wages. Yeah. So what? If we see deflation, then we could pay less? Yeah. No. So I, I think it's probably another two years where we're going to see you know, crazy high prices, but I think probably another two years. I, I would say the biggest risk is if another variant comes in, which is – uh, more contagious and and more severe yeah. in terms like uh, it seems like the the Omicron or Omicron however you pronounce it um, was a bit it kind of blew over yeah but if something similar to that comes up where it's like oh crap well we, we have to dial things back now that's probably the only thing that would risk in inflation but I think it's just supply change yeah I, I think so too I think yeah. that it's causing I mean that we saw it in like lumber like you know two by four went right. from like five dollars to ten to fifteen yeah, yeah, right. to twenty down to like seven and right. now it's back at like seven or five or whatever right. like yeah it, it moved in the supply chain so right. I'm sure that accounted in there and they call it inflation it's not quite but yeah I mean my limited understanding of economics like just says that you can't you can't print the amount of money that they're doing without expecting some inflation in the future 
right? And and also the amount of money that they keep giving tenants to pay their rent. And if another variant does come, it just comes to us anyway, like the landlords. Further reason why they don't like us, mm-hmm. uh, and including like now my buddy David's always telling me uh, telling me and everyone else to stop talking about the tax benefits of real estate. He's like, we don't want them to know. Like <laughs> like the more we talk about that, the more angry they're going to get when they realize like what we're doing. It's not illegal and it's encouraged. Like they like the government wants us to buy big pieces of real estate to provide housing. And so they give us a really good tax deduction on that, like all the accelerated depreciation and all that. But David's like, if the masses knew what we no, were doing. You, you know what? No. And the reason why they wouldn't care, they care more about you losing money. Mm. The most popular real estate investor of all time yep, lost is a fraud. Yep. He loses yeah, money they every loved, year. Yeah, they love you know, that. That gets more yeah. clicks than, ah, oh, this tax loophole. Mm. People care more about, oh, we lost money. Yeah, I lost uh, I lost $3 million last year. Yeah. On paper, I lost $3 million. And uh, therefore, because I'm a real estate professional, it offsets all my income. Yeah. And so uh, it's really sad, actually. <laughs> See, that's yeah, what, that's what, what David hates. You could, you could carry that forward into mm-hmm. future years. So now if you make $3 million the next year and yeah. you profit, now you yep. do nothing. Yep. It's crazy. The the tax benefits of real estate. Like when I look at real estate, I'm like, here's what here's why I love it. I mean, there's biz, business is great. I love business. It's great for making money too. But real estate has like these kind of five things that are going for it, right? There's cash flow, which is awesome. You buy a property, makes extra money every month, every year, hopefully you buy the right one, right? You get appreciation. It goes up in value over time. That's just how real estate tends to go. 3% on average per year over the last hundred years. Uh, and then there's the loan gets paid down. So you buy the property at 100000 next year you're only 99 That's 98 Then it's 96 uh, So loan pay down. And then the, uh, so we're at cash flow, appreciation, loan pay down, the tax benefits, which we touched on, where you get these losses that aren't actually losses, just on paper, they're losses. And so you can deduct your other income from it. Uh, and then the last piece is the leverage. You can buy a million-dollar property for thirty-five, you know, $35,000 if you're putting 3.5% down. So you include all five of those things, and it's just like, really, really good. And it has been, let's say you wanted to open up, you had an idea. You're like, I want to do a catwalking business, catwalking. That's the future. I think it's going to work. And so you go and build your catwalking business. You have no idea if that's going to work. You've never met another catwalking person. You don't know, but you think it's a good idea and you try it. And that's why 90% of businesses fail. Right. But real estate, like you're like, I'm going to buy a duplex. You can go buy a hundred books on exactly step-by-step how to do it. You can listen to 550 episodes of the podcast where I tell you how to buy a duplex. It is so documented and formulaic that it's kind of hard to screw it up if you, if you just take the education. So that's why I like real estate so much is it's like anybody can do it. You don't have to be good. You don't have to be smart. You don't have to have money. There's a million strategies, but it's all been so well done that you can figure it out if you want it. So it's there. You're the first person to really get me hyped. Now I'm hyped <laughs> on real estate again. Real estate's so yeah. good. Let me get you even more hyped, right? right. So here's, here's why I love real estate even more. So real, I call this a stack, right? So the yeah. stack, think of it this way. You're gonna buy, I said earlier, if I can make $100 a month on a unit, like one, let's say one house, I wanna make 100 bucks in profit after all the bills have been paid, including setting aside money for repairs and cap, CapEx and mortgage insurance, all that stuff. I want to make a hundred dollars. Well, you're like, that's stupid. I mean, I can go make a YouTube video and make a hundred bucks, right? I go and sell Girl Scout cookies and make a hundred dollars. I'm like, yeah, you're right. And that's a lot of work to buy a hundred, to buy one house. You have to learn all this new stuff and these, this lingo and all this effort to buy a hundred dollars. But then you take that knowledge you just learned and you're like, okay, I'm going to buy a duplex now. And so you buy the two unit property. And now instead of making a hundred dollars, you're making 200 plus the original hundred you had, right? And now you're at $300 a month. Again, like, you could sell Girl Scout cookies for that. But then the next, next you go buy a fourplex. 
And then you buy an eight unit after that. Then you buy a 20 unit after that. And now all of a sudden, now you're like, well, I'm making, you know, four grand a month in, in money. And then you buy the, uh, I don't know, what was that, 20 unit, 40 unit. Then you buy the 80 unit. Now this is, you don't have to be formulaic like that, sure. but the idea is exponential growth, right? Yeah. So up until three years ago, uh, I had 100 units. It took, me, it took me 12 years to get 100 rental units. It took me, well, even like really two years. I bought my first mm -hmm. like big one two years ago now, uh, two years and two weeks ago. So it took me, what's that, whatever, 13 years to get to 100 units. It took me two more years to get the 3,000. It's just this whoo, hockey stick. And the interesting thing is I just bought a $72 million, I think we closed tomorrow, $72 million apartment complex down in Houston. That property was less work for me. It's less, I would say almost less, it's less risk, less money from me than my very first single family house I bought 15 See, years ago. that's the deal I want to, I should have gotten in that. I should have gotten in that one. That was, that's a good one. When did you close the funding on that? Uh, like a month ago, maybe. We raised it quick. Oh, jeez. Yeah. So we that was like, quick. I was like a week or two, probably, probably two Probably, yeah, probably a couple weeks later. <laughs> it raised, the money raises quick yeah. because a lot of people are in the same situation, especially end of the year. Yeah. Uh, it's a good time to raise, like next year I want to like, I'm going to raise like a, a ton of money in December because everyone's like, we got to, we got to deploy it now, right? Yeah. Uh, but anyway, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's powerful stuff. And so the knowledge and education, that's what's important. That's why earlier to, to circle back those early deals in, in Washington, when I, Washington state, I had the 30 units, like there, I value them so much because they got me to where, where I could then get to the next level. They, they matter so much, but they also don't matter at all. Like financially speaking, like I make a few thousand dollars a month off it. It's nothing compared to what I make off everything else. But I couldn't have gotten to the other part, the business of real estate, if I hadn't gone through that. This is where I differ with Grant Cardone. Grant Cardone's like, start with a 50 unit, start there. That's what you should buy. And I'm like, ah, like when I bought my first 50 unit, I made so many mistakes and I've been doing it for 10 years or 15 right. years. So I think you gotta go through the journey of buying these smaller deals. And you've done it now, right? So you're like, you've done the, the property thing now, you could probably take down a 20 unit. And in your head, you're like, well, you know, it's not really worth my time to buy a 20 unit. You're right. It's financially, it's not worth it. But by buying the 20 unit, it makes you better to buy the 100 unit. And then buying the 100 unit makes you better to buy the 500 unit. And that's where things get fun, where you're taking a $70 million property, you're going to turn it into $120 million. And at that level, you got a whole team that runs everything for you. And you're just using your your platform yeah. to raise Why the money. Why don't you just do commercial real estate? I mean, that's pretty buy much like, what it is. Yeah. But would you do that and, and buy like a Jiffy Lube or oh, something like that? Yeah, I would. So I like, they call those triple net yeah. lease, right? And, and, and I can't remember what it stands for. But uh, it basically means, yeah, there's, there's, they're great in that. Yeah, what is it? Net taxes, yeah, insurance. Net, yeah, and tax insurance repairs. and repairs, right? Yeah. yeah. So basically, you don't have to do anything. I mean, this is, you know about this stuff? It's super cool, right? You buy a Jiffy Lube and your only expense is your mortgage payment, yep. right? Because they take care of everything. Uh, it's it's a good idea, but here's what's wrong with that or that, what's scary. Jiffy Lube leaves. They go to business, right? Like um, forever, people were like Walgreens and CVS. They are mm -hmm. the thing to buy because yes. they are never leaving. And then like CVS announced a couple of days ago, right? It was like they're closing 900 stores. Like they're like Walgreens and CVS will be out of business in five years or at least like heavily diminished. Why? Because Amazon, right? So the problem with triple net lease in my mind is a lot of them are single asset, meaning they're one tenant 
in one location. And if they leave, you're going to have a year, two years, three years of just an empty property. And it's going to cost you half a million dollars just to renovate it for the next guy. And then they might stay for five years. So I'm not saying you can't do that. It's a good model. It's just, there's risk there. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so there's also what I like to do is value add real estate. So we will buy the apartment for $70 million and we'll put 5 million into paint and, and remodeling the units and make it really nice. And immediately now it's worth 90. Like just by doing that remodel and raising the rent now, it's worth way more right away. The Chiffy Lube, you buy it for $5 million. Tomorrow it's worth $5 million and you know, 5.1 million. Sure. And it goes up slowly. So versus this. And so I like the, the stair step method. It's like yeah. you boom, jump up equity and then you go for a while, which is fun. So again, different strokes, different folks. Like I can, I can find a millionaire real estate investor in every single solitary niche of real estate. Mm-hmm. You'd be like, I think it'd be really cool to own like sober living houses. And you're like, okay, I can find you a millionaire. I know a millionaire who's a millionaire doing sober living houses. Mm-hmm. I really want to do like commercial real estate, like strip malls. Great. You can do it. It all, it all works. Every bit of it works. If you're willing to put in the time to become great at it. And most people aren't. So that's why they don't. Those sober living facilities, by the way, I represented a client who would, uh, he didn't own the buildings, but he would rent them out mm. and then create a sober yep. living facility in that. What is that? So, uh, so they would look for, so let's say he would find like an eight bedroom house that was 10 grand a month. Mm-hmm. He would run a facility where people would pay $5,000 a month or $4,000 a month to live in this house. And they do the, I think they do like meals, they do counseling, they, uh, they, they oversee these people. And so if eight people are living in there, each paying five grand a month, that's $40,000 a month. Mm-hmm. His cost is, let's say $10,000 a month for the house plus another $10,000 a month for, for services. So they're walking away with $20,000 a month in profit per house that they get. Yeah. There's, it's, it's a, it's there's a, it could a be a lot of money. Yeah. There's, there's always cool little niches in real estate too, which are fun. Like for example, um, one thing I'm going to be pursuing a little bit in the future on Maui, I've got this rental house there with four bedrooms and, um, it was a triplex when I bought it. And then the government stepped in in Maui and they were like, we don't want you to have a, tri- it's not legally a triplex, take it back to a single family house. And I'm like, oh dealing with them, trying to navigate that. And sure enough, I'm going to have to take it back to a single family house. It just sucks. That's one of the things you go with, right? So I'm like, all right, well, your big thing right now is traveling nurses, especially because of COVID, but it's just in general, it's always been a thing, traveling nurses. And they need a uh, place to stay for six months, typically. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to turn each bedroom, and they're huge bedrooms in this place, each bedroom into a uh, like furnished rental for traveling nurses. And it's, I can probably get $2,000 out of each bedroom. for That's two, four, six, eight thousand dollars $8,000 a month out of this property. I mean, I got to pay $500 in water and sewer and garbage and electricity. But that property is going to just like print money. My mortgage is $2,000 a month. And I'm going to have maybe, a, you know, let's call it two more thousand dollars of all expenses, including CapEx and management and all that. I'll still make four grand a month and just profit off that. Like, that's a cool little niche. It's like, you can do that. You can do an old folks home. I don't know what they call them. That's probably the wrong terminology. But like uh, senior, senior, senior living. Yeah, assisted, yeah. yeah. You can, assisted living. Yeah, you yeah. can do that. There, oh, yeah. They make money too. So I yeah. represented a client who did sober living facilities and senior care facilities. Yeah, senior, senior is huge. Oh my huge. gosh, this guy, like ton of money doing that. Yeah. The senior care, especially. Yeah, there's, the there's money like there. 30% sometimes a year. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. It's really good. Uh, one, one other, like, yeah, I mean, there's a million. There's vacation rentals, right? Like, you could be in an area that's vacation rentals. Do you ever heard of uh, Airbnb arbitrage, that concept? It's and like... Rent a property. Yeah, you Airbnb, rent a property, yeah. then you rent it on Airbnb. Yeah. I know some people killing it on that. Uh, it's just... 
what uh, what I would say is like follow the fire. Like something like when when you listen to a real estate podcast or really any podcast, right? There, something like fires you up. And when I talk, when I hear about Bitcoin and people start talking about Bitcoin, like I'm just like dead. Like nothing. Right. I just don't care. Like I just it for whatever reason I don't care. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure it's a good idea. I, I mean, I bought like ten grand just to have it as a lottery ticket. Is it maybe go up and maybe it won't? Uh, but like. I just don't care about it. I don't care about crypto really at all. I don't care about NFTs, but you talk to me about duplexes ever since I was 21. I'm like, oh, let's talk about duplexes. I love them. Like they're just, and then I got into mobile home parks. Why? I don't know. Like some piece of my brain is miswired and it's like mobile home parks are cool. So I always say like, follow that fire. Like, I don't care what it is, but like everybody gets fired up about something. Could be sober living houses. Uh, I got a friend who uh, was a severe drug addict. Uh, her, her and her husband both were severe drug addicts and alcoholics and just struggled with that for a long time. Uh, and then they like changed their life, like came to Jesus, like turned everything around and now they do sober living houses. And like, it's such a cool thing because it, it fires them up because it like they went through it and yeah. they saw the, yeah, follow the fire. Like whatever you're like, in, I mean, YouTube yeah. obviously fires you up. Yeah. So you lean into it and you're, what do you know? You're successful with it yeah. because you followed the fire. Yeah. That's cool. Now I'm curious, what's your experience been with mobile home parks? Uh, let me tell you a story about a yeah. bank robber and a prostitute. Okay. All right. Uh, let's start with so the a bank robber walks into a bar. Yeah, so yes. and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll start with a prostitute who's actually not a prostitute. So <laughs> we got a call. Uh, we got a call to our property manager. My very first mobile home park I ever bought. I get a call. Uh, well, the property manager gets a call from this gentleman. They left the message in the middle of the night, and the guy says, "I wish I had the recording. I'd play it. It's so funny." She goes like, "Hey, uh, my name's uh, well, I'm not going to tell you my name for obvious reasons, and uh, I was just over at." Uh, you know, whatever park, uh, unit number 12 and went in there and, uh, met the lady on through Craigslist. And I went in there and I paid the lady her money and I took off my clothes and I laid in the bed. Then her boyfriend comes in and robbed me. I'm not going to the cops with this. So uh, I just wanted you to know. And so no prostitute who actually was a thief, which is a cool, cause that's actually the perfect crime, right? What's this guy going to do? Like, yeah, so for uh, those who want to make some good money, let me tell you a great strategy. Uh, you just go to Craigslist. Yeah, isn't that crazy? That. Yeah. yeah, it's like robbing a, a, a thief. But that way, without someone in your trailer park? In my trailer park. Now, we buy nicer trailer wow. parks. We try to than that. But they, like, so that's first story. The second one, a little bit more boring. The guy robbed a bank and then fled and the FBI was after him. And we had to repossess both. Anyway, the first lady, she left after like a month after that. Uh, you know, it was just hearsay. We actually didn't know she was a thief. It's just some random guy calls, right? I'm sure wow. she was. But I'm not going to evict the lady because somebody said that. Obviously, we watched closer. The bank robber, we had to repossess his house after a while. So... Mobile home parks are fun. They they're good for stories, but really they're good for cash flow. Like they make they make good money. And here's why I like them so much. If you buy a rental house, sorry, let's go apartment. You buy an apartment complex, and the plumbing breaks, the toilet breaks because a tenant flushed a contact lens bottle down the toilet. Yeah. True story. Then I go over and like I have to pay somebody to go and fix that. But in my in my mobile home parks, if a tenant drops a contact bottle down the sink. They have to pay that. It's their home. Like, I don't own the home. They own their own home. So I don't have to deal with the ups and downs of dealing with repairs and contractors and all that drama. Uh, now, there is an aspect of that because we bring in a lot of homes. But that's what my favorite thing is. Like, it, it, it's fairly stabilized cash flow. Like, it's like triple net lease in a way because mm-hmm. I don't have to deal with the repairs, maintenance, or any of that. It's just like, 
they pay rent. They even pay their own water bill. And so my expenses and the, and the headache is pretty low. Plus, because they own their own home on my land, they don't typically leave. They'll stay for years and years and years because they can't just move their house. It's expensive. And, I, you know, there's some investors who have, like, gloated over it over the years, like, like you know, yeah, that we trapped them in our park. And, like, I don't, I don't want to think that way. Like, I don't, but it's, it's kind of true, right? Like, in a way, they, they are low income. They can't just pay $10,000 to move their home to another park. Mm-hmm. And so they kind of are stuck there. Uh, now, some people say that's then you shouldn't do mobile home parks. It's immoral to do that. And I'm like, well, I mean, there's people at that level. So they can be, they can have crappy landlords that take advantage of them and treat them terribly, or I can help them. It's like, there's going to be uh, low income people everywhere. Mm-hmm. So I just happen to serve them and I serve them well. And I try to treat them well. We don't jack their rent up. In fact, the other thing I love about mobile home parks is that we buy them partially empty. I like that. So if you go buy an apartment complex, it's a hundred unit apartment complex. And for some reason, they've had a hard time getting tenants lately. They're only 80% full, let's just say. You still pay 100% for that property. You still pay as if it was 100% full. That's just how commercial or, um, apartments are. With the mobile home park, I, if it's only 80% full, I pay 80% because there's no homes there. And then we are really good at finding homes, moving them, and then setting them up, and then selling them to tenants. And so every time you bring in a new home, I can take a property from 70% or 60% full up to 100% full. And then at the same time, I can shift the water bill over to their responsibility. I can manage it better, get better, get more people paying rent on time because I'm actually a good property manager. And all of a sudden, I've doubled the value of that park in a short time. In fact, our very first fund with my company, we bought a three mobile home parks. Total price was $6 million, 6.1. Mm-hmm. We just sold it for 13. Like in two years, we went from six million to thirteen. Uh, our investors got a stupid good return on that one. I, we won't get that, I'm sure, every deal in the in the future. But that's what's fun about mobile home parks. Plus the stories, the bank robbers and the prostitutes. What's the return that you usually get on a mobile home park? Thirty percent, twenty. I mean, so the yeah. deal that first one, yeah. uh, we ended up. Uh, we our investors got who they get roughly seventy percent, give or take, of uh, of the deal. We as the company that owns it, we take about thirty. So they got like a 35% return on their money like per year, like IRR. They got like a 35%, which is phenomenal. I mean, we don't usually, we project like 15 to, if we can get 20, that's a home run. Um, but 15 is, is good. We kind of under, we, we, we say we underwrite to 15%. So if we, if we, we can determine how much to pay for a property by working backwards and saying, okay, well, if our investors need 15% uh, you know, IRR, then working backwards, we can pay... 6.1 million. And that's, that's what we offer. There's no emotion there. It's just like, this is the numbers. If mm-hmm. we can make it work great, if not move on to the next one. So makes me want to invest. <laughs> See, what's yeah, the, what's the qualifications like of an accredited investor? Isn't it just $250,000? It's well, like 200. Yeah. Yeah. It's 200. If you're single 300, if you're married or you have a million dollar net worth, or you have like a series seven. You know the crazy thing, thing. no one checks. It's like, it, as far as I'm aware, for a accredited investor, all you have to do is self-certify. It's like, yep. yeah, I'm right. an accredited investor. Yeah. So yes and, so yes no. and no. That's, okay. Yes and no. So yeah. there, there's a little yeah. distinction here. Yeah. You're right with, this is probably getting into the weeds that maybe people won't care about, but there's two mainly two types of syndications. There's what's called a 506B and a 506C. So a 506, and this is important for you to know down the road for, I'll tell you what, for obvious reasons in a second. A 506B means it's your friends and it's friends, family, people you maybe know, have a connection with. You go to conferences, you meet people who shake the hands, all that we talked about earlier. Almost everybody does that and has for the last, whatever, X amount of years. Because to do that, you can A, 
accredited investors just have to say they're accredited. Mm -hmm. And B, you can take money from up to 35 non-accredited. So from like your buddy who makes 180,000 a year, he can give you 50 grand, not a big deal. The other option is the 506C, that's what I do. Mm -hmm. That one says you have to prove that they're accredited. That's actually go through a process to approve it. There's actually companies out there that will do that for you. Cost a few hundred bucks, we pay it. And they have to prove it. That's a bank statements, all that, right? Um, and we can only take money from accredited investors. So like, why would we do that? Like, that sounds like the other option is way better, right? It's because with the other option, the one that I don't do, you can't advertise. You can't talk mm. about it on your podcast. You can't put it on a Facebook ad. You can't put it anywhere publicly. Like it's, it's very like, you know, mm. in person, Got it's it. a family friend. So if you are an influencer of any, any kind, imagine you had a real estate thing and you could not talk about your real estate. Right. It would suck. Got it. So the people who have an audience like me, that's why I've been able to raise so much money is because I do 506C. It just sucks because there's, I mean, there's how many people are watching this right now that would be like, oh yeah, that sounds cool to invest. Oh, I don't make 200,000 a year. And so they can't, I wish I could. Yeah. So Grant Cardone has a model. There's a third one out there that you can get the best of both worlds. It's just super expensive and complicated and leads a lot of headaches. Like he got sued, you know, he got sued by like somebody who put in like 10 grand. Like I don't know the whole story, but like Yikes. the guy who puts in 10 grand is the guy who sues you because he's like, Oh, Grant said I was going to make 15% of my money and we only made 2% or whatever. You're like, yeah. he said 15% IRR. That means like spread out over the course of the investment at yeah. the end, you get most of it. Then it's always the guys that put in 10 grand that cause you the problems. I've got a few Yikes. people who put in millions. Yeah. You never hear from them. Yeah. Like you never, cause they just, yeah, they trust you. Like so yeah. anyway. Crazy. I've always noticed that in real estate too. Generally, the people spending the most wouldn't care. They're yeah. just like, hey, just give yeah. me a house at this. Mm -hmm. The easiest deals. Yeah. Just what do you want me to say? All right, done. Yep, that's it. And and meanwhile, the people uh, in the lower price points comb through everything. They're like, you know what? My my father said that this was a bad term. We mm. should cross yep. that out. It's like it's a standard CA yeah, form. Yeah. It's like. <laughs> But no, we don't agree with that one sentence. Yeah, it's yeah. always those. Yeah, it's actually one of the great things yeah. when we raise money. We raise a lot of money. We we like we will like tag people as like they're going to be difficult to work with. Like they're the ones that like they want to go through every single line and every single thing. And like they'll like look at our documents and be like, oh, "You only have a hundred and thirty-four thousand here for paint. Uh, this seems a little bit too low. I think you're probably going to be more like one hundred and forty or like yeah. or whatever." I'm like, "Listen, man, like." We've been doing this for a while. We've got contractor bids. Like you're like an armchair quarterback. Maybe yeah. this isn't the right investment for you. Like we will like just yeah. not take people's money. Yeah. Um, and like people will ask me sometimes like, hey, uh, should I put money with this guy, uh, his, his, his investment? That was going to sound really bad, but yeah. I'm going to say it anyway. When I, I invest in other people's syndications, I almost never look at their like uh, PPM or their information. I don't care. Because like I, I trust them as a person. They're people that I know. Yeah. I like them. I trust them. And so like, how am I going to go through their not documents that they put a hundred hours of work into analyzing this deal? Am I going to go in there and be like, mm, <laughs> I don't like how you put only a $55 there a month for rent raise. I think you're only going to get 50. Like, I don't know. Like, do you trust the person? Do you think they have a good chance of making your money grow? And if so, I'm going to make the bet on them. And the best I can do is I make a lot of bets and I think most of them will pan out because I trust the people. I think that they're, they're trustworthy people and mm. it's the best we can do. So it's like that was companies, right? Like yeah. you invest in a stock because you, you like the company. Like I think they, then they got legs. Jack, did you sell Robinhood yet? No, it was down I again, know. Jack. Yeah. <laughs> so, ja so this is what happens. I invest a big chunk of money into Robinhood and then 
Jack over here is like, dude, 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 I'm going to buy some ramen at two. And he buys it in the stock tanks. Oh, yeah. It's every single time Jack does this. Low. Just, and it keeps yeah. dropping. And I keep telling Jack, oh, just go sell it. And he's like, no, it's going to go up. But the longer you wait to sell, the lower the price goes. Please. And this is why I love real estate. Because that strategy works. You love your real estate. That works really good in real estate. Like if it drops, you're just like, oh, just hang on until it comes back. You can't do that yeah, in stocks. See, you can do it in real estate. I was worried Jack was going to crash the Las Vegas market as soon as he, <laughs> yeah, as soon as soon as he as buys something. Like, there's a foreclosure. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, Robin's, were you the guy in like school where you like walk by the computer lab? I don't know if they had computer labs when you were in school. We walk by and like all the computers just like shut down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're like just the bad luck guy. Mm-hmm. Jack, you yeah. sell, please. Absolutely <laughs> not. No, I'm riding this out. Ride it oh, out, man. Yeah. This is one of his heaviest positions Jack. too. It's oh. just so yeah, it unfortunate that I happen to buy into what, it. What, Jack? What if I give you 500 bucks to sell? <laughs> right now. Dude, I can't. What if, you, what if you arm wrestled for it right now? No, Jack's going to win. <laughs> we arm wrestled last podcast. Yeah. Really? By the way, my arm was hurting the next day. Oh, uh, mm. mine wasn't. Uh, <laughs> I won. But yeah, so, Jack, $500. I'll, dude, I'll seriously, because I, I have so much money invested in this mm. that for me, 500 bucks, it's worth it just to get Jack out. Mm. Dude, dude and when do I buy back in? 30 days? 30 days. I'll heavily consider it tomorrow. I'll talk about it. it's it's market close anyways and tomorrow's saturday so it's not like we have you could rock paper scissors it all right how about this rock paper scissors if you win you pay me 500 dollars, and i'll sell and i'll buy back in 30 calendar days from the day i sell if i win we leave it okay how about this 250 <laughs> 250 375 300 350 300 mm-hmm. i'll buy dinner tonight I'm not hungry. 300 and all by Chops the mic. <laughs> all right. 300 and a dinner credit. Super sushi. You already owe me one super sushi, so we're back at two. Take the bet. Okay, so now we have to rock, paper, scissors. Rock, paper, scissors. Rock, paper, scissors. Okay, so you got the first one. Okay. We're at one. Okay. Okay. Rock, paper, scissors. Oh, see? Well done. No, no. See? And I told you, Monday green candling. Okay. 300 bucks, man. Green candles. You're having bad luck with this stock. Not only are you down 80 grand, now you lost 300 more. Green candles. No, you didn't lose your money. You're right. You're right. You're right. How much can I pay you for your stock picks, Graham? Mm, Okay, you're lucky. Mm. (laughs) So I could short them. Just open up a short position as soon as you buy it. Fake me out and then short the stock immediately afterwards. Crap. Sorry, man. Wow. All right. It's it's uh, gonna go good. That sucks. It was a good moment. What? Uh, we should probably wrap up here. I Do think you have so. any questions for two us? Hours. Uh, I want to know when you're gonna buy your next piece of real estate. Open the fund down. up. I, I want to invest <laughs> in your fund. Seriously. So, okay. That's, so, that's what I'm waiting. The on. truth is, most yeah. people. Okay. So let me tell you a quick story. Yeah. It was a good good ending here for you guys. When I, I once bought a property at auction for fifteen thousand dollars. One five, right? Super cheap. Mm-hmm. I researched it. Uh, it came out for auction. Nobody else showed up the bid. And they're like, opening bid. Like, they we're standing in like the lobby of the courthouse. And they're like, opening bid is 15112 And I was like, 15113 mm-hmm. I get it, right? I then go remodel the property. I spent like, I don't know, twenty five grand something like that. It took like nine months to fix it up. Super annoying. Uh, finally get it fixed up and done. I put on Airbnb for a while. It was kind of cool. Super stressful. Like, people couldn't get the front door open because they didn't know how to use a keypad and like mm. that's the annoyance with airbnb got tired of that put a regular tenant in it that was annoying for a little while up and up and down finally sold the property after like four years of owning it 
and I and I look at my numbers, I average it all out, put in a spreadsheet, and I made a 15% return on my money. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that was when I realized, it was like that moment I was like, I could have just given my money to somebody else and gotten the same return, right? Not that it's guaranteed, but neither is that, right? And so there is a level, people who are higher income earners should probably not be going out there trying to buy the duplex, trying to buy the fourplex, unless they want to do what I said earlier and that scale up their own real estate business. But if it's like, I'm gonna go and figure out a duplex because I think that'll be a good investment. It's just, you might as well just like, find people you know, like, and trust, put your money with them. And it's just way better. So you don't have to buy another piece of real estate, but I'd love to take your money someday. All right, you got my money. All right, good. (laughs) <laughs> uh, thankfully, Jack cannot invest because yeah, he's not, not accredited. Not no. We'll get you there. Uh, don't yeah. don't get him there because <laughs> listen. As soon as he invests, catch you, fire. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just well, gonna be. Well, then you get insurance on that. But th- there's gonna be something that's gonna go wrong. So please, ben, that that's the one agreement. I will give you money, <laughs> but you cannot keep, get Jack I, in I, there. Cannot get him in there. You can, it'll, Jack it'll is barred from your from your investments. All right, you are never. Anything else is fair yeah. game. No, that's, we'll make a special fund just for you, and we'll go buy a duplex for you. It'll be great. Yeah, we're gonna. Get to a duplex that's great awesome uh, no more real estate jack all right, <laughs> all right. thank so, you so much for you, coming man. on really, really nice yeah, meeting you yeah you too this has been fun yeah thank you uh guys thank you so much for watching you got to do us a quick favor though and subscribe because uh it's it's half of you watching are not subscribed which is not okay it's totally free to do that's just uh, rude actually yeah I, rude. I don't know why it, it's so easy <laughs> just hit the little button totally free we post once a week so uh actually we we, we might even do a bonus episode if you subscribe. So that's all you got to do and get your free stock down below in the description. That's it. It's worth all the way to $2,000. So thank you guys so much for watching and until next time. Thank you. Cool. That was awesome. That was cool. perfect. I love that. All right. Good job, guys. Cool. That was fun. Right. Oh, Jack, you can't do anything right. <laughs> are, are you still recording this? Yes, still recording. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> that is. Good job. Good job. Please keep that in there.